0: Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semi-finals. all thanks to McDonald's. backers together and loving it. TNCs apply.
1: From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
2: Kyoto, ora, ora, Good morning and welcome into Mornings with Ian Smith here on SENZ. Ricardo in for Smithy, back after a few days off with the bot, but on top of things again now. Coming up on the show, uh, we are going to be catching up with Simon Hampton uh, from the 3rd and 5 podcast, we're going to talk uh, the pressure on Sean Marks after the Brooklyn Nets GM fired their coach uh, Steve Nash. We'll talk uh, the Phillies taking 2-1 lead in the World Series over Houston. We'll talk the NFL trade deadline, maybe get an update too on Stephen Adams' injury. Uh, we'll catch up with Liz Green as well. She's just been named as the High Performance Manager for Cricket New Zealand's Women's Cricket Programme. That is a, uh, a a new role, and we'll catch up with her and, and talk about that. Uh, we'll also catch up with Josh Pino. Uh, now, Josh Pino, he competes in marathons, dressed up as different superheroes to raise money for the Starship Foundation. So we'll, we'll talk to Josh about that as well. And uh, a bloke called Ian Smith you may have heard of, uh, cricket commentator of some note. He's going to be on the show from around 11.30 as well. So uh, plenty to get our our teeth stuck into, uh, and we're going to do Stumped a little earlier as well, just FYI, so keep your ears out for Stumped. We are going to do that a little earlier than we normally do it, just swapping things around and keeping you on your toes today um, because that's how we roll. Uh, Of course, we do have, as well for uh, a caller of the month, could win an Oklahoma Joe's Black Jack Charcoal Kettle Grill thanks to ABA Living. And if you want to win that, then all you have to do is call through to any of the shows across SENZ in the next month and you're automatically in the draw. So if you want to be Caller of the Month, uh, then you can give us a call and uh, we will get stuck into that. And I think the first thing we're going to get stuck into is the All Blacks 15, this new team that New Zealand Rugby has created that is called the All Blacks 15. People that play for it aren't All Blacks. Yeah, make of that what you will. That has just been announced. They play Ireland A on Friday, uh, which I think is Saturday morning New Zealand time, but it's Friday night their time. So Ireland A versus, I think Ireland A are the Wolfhounds, aren't they? Is that what they call Island Day eh? um so they are the wolfhounds and that's who the All Blacks fifteen are going to be playing Saturday morning New Zealand time actually it's a pretty friendly kickoff time of eight forty five on Saturday morning uh you can text us your thoughts on the team on double eight double three that is the temper bed post text machine or you can call us on our eight hundred one five oh eight eleven here is the match day twenty three uh, starting with the front row, Aiden Ross and Tavita Mafaleo are the props. Brody McAllister is uh, playing hooker. Then the locks are Josh Dixon and Patrick Tuipulotu. Uh, number six is Dom Gardner. Number seven, Luke Jacobson, and then number eight, a guy that I think has had a fantastic uh, last sort of twelve months, is Marino Tu'u uh, from the Hawks Bay and the Highlanders as well. TJ Peranara is going to start in the nine. Damien McKenzie in the ten, and then Roger Tuivasa-Sheck, Braden Enor. The midfield combination, the same midfield combination the All Blacks played against Japan last weekend. AJ Lamb is on one wing, Sean Stevenson on the other, Ruben Love at fullback, Uh, a great player, a great talent, and one to keep an eye on, I believe can play 15 or 10 it's going to be great to see him run round Tyrone Thompson gets an opportunity off the bench as the reserve hooker the reserve props are Finlay Brewis and Tamaiti Williams uh, Zach Gallagher and Christian Leo Willey uh, the other reserve forwards Cameron Roygaard from Counties as the reserve halfback Josh Uani, the reserve 10 and Alex Nankerville covers the rest of the back line in the 23 jersey so what are your thoughts on that? what are your thoughts on the, the, how, how strong that team looks? give us a call 0800 150 811 0800 150 811 Uh, anything else you want to talk as well how do you think they'll go against the Irish Wolfhounds talk
3: back time with Smithy call now 0800 150 811
2: Yeah, 0800 0800, 150 811, 0800 150 811. That is our number caller of the month. Goodwin and Oklahoma Joe's Blackjack Charcoal Kettle Grill. Thanks to Able Living. Uh, Graham joins us from Christchurch. G'day, Graham. How are you?
4: Good day, Ricardo. How are you? Good to hear you back from your ill health.
2: Uh, thanks, mate. Thanks. Uh, how much of a barbie nut are you, mate? I mean, uh, you'd be up for one of these Oklahoma Joe's black jack oh, well, charcoal kettle grills?
4: Cook, but I'm not a great cook, but I've, I know family members and friends that are, would do it for me. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I'd definitely be in for that. Yeah, just don't worry about that, Ricardo. Oh, well, that's good. That's great.
2: Uh, now, uh, the, the Wolfhounds the Wolfhounds, uh, is the Irish A-team. As Dave has just texted us, uh, he said maybe this New Zealand 15, instead of being the all-black 15, could be the Elf Possums. I quite like that. That's not bad. <laughs> That's not bad, Dave. Thanks very much. Keep That's your text coming though, through.
4: Double eight, double three. Graham, what do you make of the team? Well, just I heard that Tom Christie's been called up. Just wanted to get that on. I said before I went off to work that, yeah, Christie's on his way over there, so that was good news, uh, with Billy Harmon being promoted, so I'm pleased about that. Uh great great Tom deserved to be there and should have been in there to start with. But yeah, I oh, know it's a good sight, yeah, I'm very pleased about yeah, I mean obviously T J Perinara coming off a you know, great season with, you know, I choke on the words. You know, the champion Wellington team. And, um, can you, and sorry, uh, Dom, can you just say that last bit again? The what? Sorry. Oh no, I don't want to. Sorry, <laughs> just too much for me. I've said it once, and that's enough. You got it on record. But um, yeah, they, um but, but very pleased. Dom Gardner's getting a. You know, a start. I think number six is the best position. And. Um, yeah, no, he played well at lock, but yeah, no, he's a very good player, had a good season with Canterbury, great season actually, and um, yeah, I'm very pleased about that personally, you know, I mean, it's a good side, and um, yeah, no, you get a, and you know, Brady McAllister, and, but yeah, but all the players from, you know, obviously us, Sheck and Braden Nino have been, um, I mean, people talk, made a big deal about both of them, but you know, let's face it, they said they were going to send players back to this team, so you can't play everyone, and Rightly or wrongly, you know, whoever you want there, they can't play them all in those those tests against Wales, Scotland and England. So, um, you know, I think it's good for them actually to be getting rugby, to be blunt. Yeah, so, yeah, no, I think it's a very good side and I think, you know, I'm looking forward to it. It'll be a great game. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. it should be a good game, hopefully. But, um, yeah, that no, you know, I think there's a lot of potential coming through with that side.
2: Yeah, Yeah. I think so. I think so. All right, thanks for your call, Graeme. Keep keep listening and uh, appreciate hearing from you. 0800 150 811, 0800 150 811. It is talkback time uh, with Smithy, and uh, you you could win that Oklahoma Joe's Blackjack Charcoal Kettle Grill. Thanks to Ava Living as well by just calling in, and thanks to Pony as well. Pony texted through to correct my pronunciation. Of course, on the bench, one of the reserve props plays for the Crusaders and Canterbury, I said... uh, Tamaiti Williams, but it's Tamaiti, Tamaiti Williams. So thanks very much, Pony, for uh, correcting my pronunciation there. Joe from Gisborne joins us. Uh, G'day, Joe, how are you?
5: Yeah, yeah, morning, Rick Dog. Morning, Rick Dog. Hey, just a quick one. i have just told to you now and the name's gone. But our number eight from Waikato, who, who had an outstanding season, played one cap for the All Blacks and then got dished from the squad and is not even in the All Black 15. Mm, Give P- me his name, Peter Gus Peter Gussoakula. So where is Peter Gus gone? Because, you know, everyone raved about this man, big body, you know, good hands, good line adoption. option. Got to the All-Black squad. Everyone said, give him a crack. He got a petty crack. And then now he's missing from what? the top fifty rugby players in New Zealand, sixty mm. rugby players in New Zealand?
2: Yeah. Any,
5: any idea where he's gone?
2: Uh, I don't. I don't. I, I I'm the same with you, mate, because I, I think Joe he was done he wasn't done um dealt a great hand by the coaching staff because as you said the best number 8 in the country in super rugby that's that's how he was looking uh, he got 20 minutes at number 6 off the bench against a very good Ireland team and then we haven't seen haven't seen him again um, I don't think it's an on field issue uh, I understand and um, this is just something I've been told so I don't know that this is 100% accurate but I got told that there was a team meeting after that second All Blacks uh, test against the Irish the, 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 the first one we lost and uh, and the boys had had a bit of a night out, which is is one thing. But he missed the team meeting and may have even missed the bus, is what I understand. Which didn't go down well with management. But like I say, that isn't uh, an official uh, anything official. That's just what I've been told that that I've heard. And maybe that's more to do with it.
5: Yeah, you know, listen. You know, plenty of guys make mistakes. There's plenty of guys in an All squad who have made mistakes. Plenty of them. And over time, plenty of All have missed buses. Right? I mean, after 2000, 2007 quarter final. There's a massive punch up in the bus, you know, with guys going at it. So, and and yet those guys continue to be All Blacks. So I I think that that's the one way that we mistreat players like that. And then you say, "What? Go away and be a good boy," and then come back, and he's like, "Well, yeah, I made a mistake. Mm -hmm. Yeah, understand that. He's not in court." You know, there's there's no charges against him, True. but why can't he be brought back into this All Black, this, this into this you know whatever Barbarian 15 is what we should be calling it New Zealand Barbarian 15. I mean we're throwing away the All Black term pretty loosely here, giving giving guys All Black 15 jerseys, but you know I think why why do we do that? Um, I mean Tom Christie should have been on that plane first up, okay? Him and Jacobson go at it as number seven, Billy Harmon as well. Yeah, but I, I'm unsure why they don't like Tom Christie as well. I mean, you you, you go for a bit of open side. He's in the in the Crusaders and through you know the um, the NPC, right? You've got you've got a lot of good players who just don't seem to be on the radar of uh, of Fozzy, who's obviously picked this team and uh, and given the reins over given the reins over to Leon. But he, you know, just a bit disappointing because he he we, we flung him in through right through Wake and then into the Chiefs, and what a season did he have, and now what? Now, now they put him on the bench. So, yeah,
2: well, I mean, he's not even on the bench. He's in the stage sitting at home, isn't he? He's sitting at home. Yeah, well, um,
5: that, yeah, 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 sitting on his couch, probably. You know, yeah, saying, yeah. saying, well, you know, I, I did a bit wrong, and so what, I have to play another outstanding season to get a looking." Yeah. Because we're short big bodies, right? Totally. We are short big body players off the back of that scrum. We've got Artie there, not a big body. Yeah, we we have Frizzell on the side, and then, and then if we don't, plus we've got two locks playing, then we put Barrett on one side. Yeah, you've got Kane, who's... Not a big body, but he's a good workhorse, and he's coming home.
2: Um, we don't have Ethan Blackadder
5: out there, but yeah, I just I just I don't understand it, Rick Dog, Well, I th- I think so Joe, I you might have,
2: you might have answered one of your other questions when you talked about Tom Christie. I don't think he's big enough on the international stage. I think that's his problem. Uh, you know, like if you look at say uh, the South Africans, the French, the Poms, you even look at Dalton Papali'i uh, and Ethan Blackadder. Um, you know Christie's probably three inches shorter and maybe 10, 12 kilos lighter than those guys. I think that I think that's the that's why he's not picked. I don't think they think he's big enough on the international stage.
5: Yeah, it's, it's interesting, but he's, he's he's good enough on the super stage. Yeah, right. And then when you step to that next level, understand that. But when when guys like Dwayne Munkley, you know, when I was at university, Dwayne Munkley was deemed too short and too small to be an All Black. And he was probably the best seven in the country for probably three or four years there when Waikato won the shield. And then, you know, you had Mitchell off the back and you had Monkley off the side. Waikato were a great side. But once again, you're right. Though he was deemed too short right, to be an All Black, and that was a travesty that he was never an All Black. Yeah. I suppose that's what they're looking for, but they give it to Artie, same size,
2: you know? Well, Artie's not, I've always said Artie's not big enough to be an international eight. I mean, he plays bigger than he is, but I I still would rather see him at seven and then a Hoskins or a Peter Gus or someone of that size at eight.
5: Yeah, and and that's what we're missing because we'll we'll see against, we'll we'll knock over Wales, right, and then there's no problem there, and we'll knock over Scotland. They'll come close as usual. You know, this this is their World Cup, final, and they'll, they'll give us a go, but then we'll get past him. England will be the one that will be really interesting, but, um, you know, Ritalik will be back for that, but I'm just intriguing, who would we take from this this Barbarian slash All Black 15, and slot into that All Black side, that starting side, probably, you know, when you're, when you're really looking at it, maybe the open side flanker that they've got going, but, um, yeah, I failed to see. I think there's I a lot of guys on this side who need more experience. And once again, I don't think our pack's got as big enough on the international stage in their B team. Yeah. is, You know, the same, same thing happened against Japan. Everyone's going on about us, us only winning by three points. You know, it's a C team. You know, when you look at it, a lot of those guys won't even get a start going forward and barely get on the bench. So um, I'm intrigued to see how we go. We, we should knock over Ireland's B team. You know, they've got a great uh, top 25. I don't know how deep their their, uh, their their squads go over there, but you know the top twenty five. Hey, they beat us. Congratulations. So let's see let's see how our depth goes against their depth. Yeah. And then uh, and then let's, let's get that all that tour on proper,
2: right? eh? Yeah. Well, I think Joe, we we're about to find out. I answered a few of those questions before before you go, Joe. I'm keen to get your thoughts on RTS and Enor being named. Uh, one week the All Black midfield. This week the All Black fifteen midfield. Is this last uh, last chance saloon for RTS and his All Black career? Does he need to, need a big game here? I think
5: Fozzie has been absolutely disgusting towards a, a, an athlete who was in his prime, playing fullback. You know, for the Warriors, he was the best player of the year. He, he's a gifted player, and all what we've done is promise him and promise him. Came in in COVID, unfortunately, okay, got a slow start but then got punted around like a football between, you know, am I going to play 12, am I going to play 15, am I going to play wings? Gets a start. He's only a year back, you know, when you look at his game time, and I think it's appalling the way they've treated him, because when Sonny Bill came back, look out, he became became lauded once. They gave him a crack, but they gave him a crack, you know, for a season in an all-black jersey. And, yeah, he made mistakes. Definitely made mistakes, yeah? But then that little flick ball became his trademark, Now, the whole world does it. But I think we should have given RTS a punt and an absolute go. And I wouldn't have played him at 12. I would have played him probably on the wing because he's secure under the high ball and he's got great feet. And being a fullback in league, he returns the ball. No fear running into traffic. And that's what a good winger does, Mm. you know? And yeah. Uh, yeah, that, that's where I would have played him but yeah, um, I, I think we're missing. The, I think we're missing a the trick there, Rick. Dog.
2: Yeah. Now, good stuff, Joe. Thanks for your call, mate. Uh, and and thanks for listening to SCNZ. 0800 150 811 is our number. Oh eight hundred one five zero eight eleven. A few texts to get through before we get to our next call. Uh, it would have been great if Peter Gasua had been picked for the Barbarians team to play the All Blacks. A hundred percent agree. I wonder if Scott Robertson asked that question. Uh, hi, Ricardo. I think this team is a good idea, even if it's a money slash brand. Spinning thing. It is good for development, but I've got to say, I don't think RTS or Enor are better than Nankerville. Is Weber injured? Cheers, Jeremy. No, Weber's been called up uh, to the All Blacks because of Fakatava's injury. So Webber's not with the All Black 15 anymore, Jeremy. So that's where he is. And I agree with you. Nankyville in the Super Rugby season had a better season uh, than just about any other midfield back in New Zealand. Um, so, yeah, I, I hope he shines in this game because I think he deserves an opportunity. Uh, Mark has said, Dalton Papali is a very good Super Rugby player but isn't it up to it at All Black level, in my opinion? Thanks, Mark. And Peter Gus was never good enough to start with. Cullen Grace should be the is a much better number 8. That from John. Keep your text coming through. Double eight, double. Three is the temper bed post text machine uh, and 0800 is our number. When we come back, Zaid is going to be the first cab off the rank.
1: He's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on
2: SENZ. At yeah, 25 past nine, there is an Oklahoma Joes Blackjack Charcoal Kettle Grill. Thanks to Able Living. Up for grabs for our caller of the month. Everyone that calls through is in the draw. Zaid is with us now. G'day, Zaid. What do you make of this All Black 15 team, mate?
3: Yeah, it's okay. i um, good to see Patrick tui as as um, captain. And, um, yeah, Sean Stevenson and that's on the wings. Um, yeah, not too bad. Um, Raheem Sterling got an equaliser for Chelsea, so it's one all currently between Chelsea and Domino Zygrev I want to talk about the All Blacks as well. Um, it's it's absolutely putting me off. Sorry for my language. Um, for the All Blacks, there's no consistent team anymore. Um, we've lost our physical physic ability. We used to be able to um, play try score tries, you know, and um, run real well. Like look at look at the Blacks and how well they play. Like. They're scoring like heaps of tries every game, and the All Blacks have just lost their attack. Like uh, last weekend, that game was horrible. There's there's nothing in attack. Where's the physicality gone? We used to have Bowden Barrett putting chip kicks through, and that's why I think Ian Foster's not the coach for the job because there's, there's no there's no no change, no divinity. We need a. That's why I think Scott Robinson needs to come in, and we need a new coach because it's just stale. Um, you know, old too much old boys' network, and it's not working. You know, they need to move on now. Um, there's Scott Robinson, who's still in his 40s, and if you don't give him a job, he's going to leave the country and look at players, look at coaches in the red country. Dave Rennie's doing a good job with um, Australia. You look at um, Tony uh, Tony Brown and um, Jamie Joseph with Japan, you know. They're all just going to leave. If, if, if you don't take Scott Robinson, you're absolutely a fool. Um, then, yeah, the All Blacks, he never deserve to win the World Cup. How are we going to get better? Well, Ian Foster, too much old boys network. Look at Wayne Smith, already fresh ideas, and, and to the Black Ferns, and they've, they've changed it around already. I know the World Cup's not over yet, but they've already changed it around in less than a few months. You know, yeah, it's, no. it's just not not good. We need, some, need some... that's why Ian Foster's not the right coach for the. He does, just doesn't fit the job.
2: I don't think. There's some good points. Yeah, thanks, a hey, Thanks very much for your call, mate. It is uh, nine twenty-seven here on mornings with Ian Smith. Uh, Steve Harris is on the line with us. Uh, the name of the bass player from Iron Maiden, but I'm picking. This isn't the bass player from Iron Maiden unless he's moved <laughs> to Auckland recently. G'day, Steve. How are you?
4: <laughs> oh
6: maybe with an air guitar brother
0: (laughs) (laughs) oh crack
6: up um you're really really interesting i I was listening to joe before and and man he you almost should give him his own own segment he is really good but one thing i do want to pull him up on is just on the transition of sonny bill into rugby and to avasa chic into rugby if you recall Mm. basically uh Sonny Bill actually went to France first, and I think he was just under the guidance of Tana Umanga at the time, who was over at Toulon, so that was out of anybody's eyes, so we never really got to see a lot of him playing in that French top 14, only snippets. And then the other master stroke was basically, when he did come into New Zealand rugby, was going directly to the Crusaders, where he was able to basically play around guys like Carter and... Um, Oh, I forget the name of the really solid uh, second five. He used to, he used to play there. was in the All Blacks uh, as well. So he was around some really, really good guys. And his trans- transition was made a heck of a lot easier. Where two of us, a shit, came in last year, went into the Auckland NPC team, and then we got COVID. I think they put, Auckland played a couple of games. But I think where New Zealand rugby missed a trick, I actually think they should have loaned them out to Northland or basically Bay of Plenty or one of those teams, just to give them a little bit more time in the saddle, Ricardo. Mm -hmm. And I think that, that, to me, that was a real missed opportunity. But this kind of segues into my bigger point. Listen, like yourself, mate, I'm I'm a real fan of the EPL, EPL because you see the EPL, the NRL, because you see the best players playing week in, week out. And what frustrates me about New Zealand rugby at the moment is basically in and around the power that the the head coaches basically have at All Black level, where they just pull players out of competition, competition. And I'll tell you what, it has a two-way effect. Like the player, the All Black player, is, is not really given any sort of time to get some game time and be in his position. But you don't always get an opportunity to actually play against the best players. So you can actually see how other players who are playing in the NPC. Or Super Rugby are progressing even next year. I'm, I'm hearing that All Blacks are only going to be allowed to play what five games in a row and then get rested. You know, yeah. Sometimes we we contract these players, and once they're basically contract, they're pretty the uh, contract that they're locked in. So anybody, you know, if you want to gauge yourself against these All Blacks, you want to be playing against these guys week in week out. You look at the NRL. I'll tell you what, the state of origin teams aren't always the same teams year in year out. Guys are basically picked on form and they're able to improve against the guys. who, You know, they might be Australian internationals, but you see them up against the best players.
2: Yeah, well that that's um that, that's a really good point I think I mean because it, it, it turns off not just I mean it, it stops player development I think to an extent which is what you, you you're pointing out also players from um from getting into form and staying in form because you're breaking up the the, the tempo mm. but also for fans I mean uh, you know like you said you see the French FA or the Italian FA or the English FA um, pull their players out of The Premier League or the Champions League because they have to rest because they've got a World Cup coming up doesn't happen doesn't happen so so you make some really good points Stephen yeah I mean I think uh, you know RTS his development was standard too COVID didn't help because otherwise he would have had a whole other NPC season which he hasn't had yet so I think there's there's a whole lot of factors there it almost mirrors a little bit you know, the Benji situation, when Benji mm. switched over uh, and then, I can't remember the reason for it now, but he couldn't play for Auckland. They were supposed to have a full MPC season before he started with the Blues, and that didn't happen. Then he started, you know, had to go straight into Super Rugby and it didn't work because they couldn't beat him in um, and he couldn't get to play you know, games under his belt. And I, I think those things are quite similar. Yeah. I think you yeah. makes some good points.
6: Yeah, you look. You don't get better training week in, week out. You get better playing against better players. And, you know, it's really hard to gauge. I I do feel very sorry for somebody like Sawakula, who was basically bought in to the All Black team as a big body. And now he's he's nowhere to be seen at the moment. I bet you right now, him and his agent are wishing me, you know what? I wish I'd actually not basically gone for that all-black jersey because he'd probably be the starting
2: number eight for Fiji at next year's World Cup. Exactly, and he'd probably have a lucrative top 14 contractors if he wanted a to, but to be fair, let's, let's be honest. So. Hey, Steve, thanks very much yeah. for your call, mate. Appreciate it. No worries, mate. Cheers. 0800 150 811 is our phone number, of course. Caller of the month. Could win an Oklahoma Joe's Black Jack Charcoal Kettle Grill, thanks to Able Living. Uh, also, what you could win is a $50 TAB bonus bet, because we have pulled stumped forward uh, due to the way the show has fallen uh, today with uh, Smithy coming on at 11.30, so we're going to do Stumped uh, after the latest in news in sport. Want to play Stumped? Want to win yourself that $50 TAB bonus bet? Give us a call now. 0800 150 811, 0800 one five zero eight eleven.
1: Fourteen seventy six AM in Auckland. This is SENZ. It's Kiwi for Sport.
3: Ian Smith's had a good match here. Stumped by Smithy. Ian Smith really
5: is top class at his job.
3: It's
7: no, yes, you're checking your time. I know, but it is nine thirty, not eleven thirty. We're bringing Stumped by Smithy a little bit forward Ricardo because we have the great man himself Ian Smith on the show later today direct from Adelaide I know he loves the Adelaide Oval I know he's looking forward to Ireland v New Zealand that's going to be a great match to hopefully send the uh, Black Caps through to the semi-finals where they should be of course we're playing a uh, plain stumped $50 TAB bonus bet you've been off for a few days mate great to have you back. You're feeling prepped after a few days' rest.
2: Yeah, mate. Oh, oh, so sharp, so sharp. I've been able to do lots of homework over the last three days, so I should be—I should be good. <laughs> well, I do know you finished watching Welcome to Rickson, but unfortunately, <laughs>
7: yeah. not a category oh, today. Come
2: on, how is that not a category? <laughs> football's
7: not even a category today. What? Don't even don't bring that up with me. That's that's uh, that's on uh, Brian. That's on Brian.
2: How is this even a quiz if football's not in it?
7: <laughs> anyway. First up, at the crease, he's got his bat, he's ready to go. Simon from Auckland, come in, mate.
8: How
7: you going? Yeah, good, buddy. How are you?
8: Good,
7: thank you. Nice. You ready to go? Ready to play some Stumped?
8: Yep,
4: give it
8: a crack. (laughs)
7: Awesome. Well, we're definitely rewarding people who are listening through and not auto-firing at 11.30. So your categories today to choose from are the New Zealand Breakers, Rugby or Rugby League. Nah, I have to go rugby league. Oh. All right, good luck. It's almost like Murphy's Law, Ricardo. If rugby league is a category, rugby league gets picked.
2: Yeah, mate. Why not? Why wouldn't you?
7: What does it say about our listeners? They're awesome. All right. First question for you, Simon. The Kiwi Ferns kicked off their campaign this morning with a massive win over France. Who captains the side?
8: did he hear that the other day? Um she was on
3: the uh, Chris, is it crystal that's a crystal rotor. That's the couple of wicket,
7: right in the slot and away it goes. Yeah, that's right. We had her on SNZ mornings yesterday with uh McIver. Yeah, yeah. Ricardo, oh, yeah. I know you would have had that. hmm Definitely. Alright, second question for you. Simon, two players scored doubles for the Kiwi Ferns this morning. Two tries each. Name one of those ladies.
8: Who we got there? Um was it um I'm just to
3: think of the name. Is it uh Vahakolo? Va- Va- that's a couple of chips
7: down a wicket, right in the slot and away it goes. Yeah, that's right. Caitlin Vahakolo was one of them, Roxy muruk Masila was the other Ricardo.
2: Yep. yeah, she was. It was good having that uh, on this morning where we were prepping in the office, having, having that up on Spark Sport, playing playing around the office.
7: And if you don't have Spark Sport, it's actually free to air right now on TV3. How good? Watching it again. Yeah, there you go. Right. So last question for you, Simon. $50 TRB bonus we're up for grabs. You're just smacking them around the park at the moment. Two sixes. Last one. A former Kiwi fern, Laura Mar- Marua holds the record for most amount of World Cups played with six, including this year's edition. What nation is she representing this time around? The clue there is obviously not New Zealand. Um, I should know this.
8: Actually, she actually used to work with us. Um, oh. Is she, is, she playing, is she playing for Canada?
3: Just a couple of chips down the wicket,
7: right in the slot, and away it goes. Wow, a man with the inside
2: knowledge. Yeah, well done, well yeah, done, Simon. A bit of a legend,
8: bit of a legend, Laura. She's yeah, long time in the game.
2: Yeah, three from three, smashed it out of the park, mate. You got a fifty dollars TAB uh, bonus but What are you going to put it on? Do you reckon? Um, ooh,
8: probably, probably stick with league on the and then the quarterfinals, maybe the uh, maybe. Something in each of the four games, go for a multi or something because the odds are pretty short on on some of the uh, head to heads. Probably maybe a point start or try scorer in, in the games, like yeah. one in each game or something.
2: Yeah, which which quarter final do you reckon there is more likely to be an upset in?
8: Oh, Samoa Tonga would say be the closest one. That'd mm. be a good one, I reckon. Yeah, it's it should quite
2: be quite a tough one to pick. Eh? Yeah, 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 it is, mate. You're you're 100 there. It's because Tonga have probably got better forwards, but Samoa have got better playmakers. And that's the thing that yeah. Tonga, Tonga lack is, you know, that halves. So, yeah. Yeah, Milford can be a bit
8: up and down, eh? But, mm. yeah, the, the Tongan halves, yeah, not as good as the, as the um, Samoan, eh? But no. then they
2: got them in the forwards, like you say, eh? Yeah, so it'd be a good one. Exactly, mate. Exactly. You've, you've actually just had a, a compliment come your way via our, our text machine from John saying, uh, complimenting your Google skills, Simon. I, I, I think he's, he's trying to say that maybe you didn't have that recall. What's, what's going on there? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> good stuff, Simon. Go well, mate, and good luck with that bet—the uh, multi on the on the quarterfinals this weekend. Cheers, Ricardo. Thanks, mate. Jess, uh, there you go. Another fifty dollars TAB bonus mm. bet up for grabs tomorrow, Logan.
7: Yeah, no, I I would say potentially that second question there. I I was curious mm. on the Google skills, but that last question, there's no way, no way, no. Nah. If nah, he was he knew like,
2: that. he knew that, yeah, he did. Because I didn't, world. I didn't know the answer to that, and I was thinking I was going to go cooks if it if it came to me. So mm. there you go, there you go. That's how that's that's how badly wrong I would have got it.
7: Uh, the great nation of Canada,
2: mm, exactly, exactly. I should have known. Actually, there's if you ever there is a nation question in any of our stump questions uh, that seems a bit of a like oh, how the hell am I supposed to know this? Guess Canada because Logan is all about Canadian sport. There you go. There's 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 just a little inside for you. Uh, it is nineteen away from ten here on SENZ. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is
1: Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
2: It's 14 away from 10 o'clock here on Mornings with Ian Smith. Ricardo Ball in for Smithy, who's going to be on the show from 11.30 uh, this morning. And we'll hear from the great man, uh, obviously part of the T20 World Cup calling crew. There are, as Zaid mentioned, there are uh, earlier, there are some Champions League games going on at the moment. I can tell you, two have finished already with the early kickoffs Real Madrid beat Celtic 5-1 and RB Leipzig beat Shakhtar Donetsk 4-0 so those two teams are guaranteed through to the last 16 of the Champions League uh, there are live games at the moment coming into half time AC Milan lead FC Salzburg by a goal to nil Olivier Giroud scoring for them uh, Chelsea have had to come from a goal down at home against Denimo Zagreb uh, it is two-one Chelsea at the moment. Uh, FC Copenhagen, where Marco Staminic is playing, uh, they are one-all with Borussia Dortmund. Staminic. Played uh, both games against City, then was suspended last game for a year accruing yellow cards. He's on the bench for this game, but one all between uh, Copenhagen and Dortmund. Also, one all between Juventus and PSG. That one in Turin. Makkabi Haifa, who uh, beat Juventus the other week, uh, holding Benfica one all in Israel. And maybe surprisingly, Severe through Rafinha uh, leading one nil against Manchester City. In Manchester as well. Those games all coming in to half time. Had a few more texts coming through on double eight, double three. That is our Temper Bed Post text machine. Remember, Temper and Bed Post range of mattresses and adjustable bases adapt to the exact shape of your body so you can put your head and feet up in comfort. Uh, this one came through from Brian. He said, Morning, Ricardo. Let's face it, the selection policy and treatment of players by Ian Foster has been a complete shambles. I wonder if that's reflecting in the overall co- cohesion of the entire squad. I'd try Akira Yuani at six, at eight, which is where he used to play for the Blues. He was always an eight before they uh, converted him at All Black level to a six. Play Artie at open side at Scott Barrett at six. That's what I would do. Okay, thanks for your text, Brian. That's not the worst idea I've seen. It certainly gives you uh, two really big bodies, and then the leg drive of Artie as well. Uh, this one came in from Pete. Uh, the caller who spoke about SBW's transition back into rugby as opposed to RTS's is spot on. I think that was Joe from Gizzy. Uh, loaning him out to a smaller union like Northland may have been a masterstroke. He would have come under the tutelage of a very fine midfielder in George Conia and they could have worked on his craft. Thanks, Pete, for your text. Keep them coming through. Double eight, double three is the temper bed post text machine number, or 0800 150 811. When we come back, I'm going to do our TAB multi for the day. It is 11 away from 10.
1: Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on NZ You got to know when to hold up, know when to fold up.
8: Smithy's multi,
1: know when to walk away.
3: Bed live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB app today.
2: All right, had a bit of a look around uh, for today's multi. I've decided to avoid the cricket because I think South Africa are in better form. But Pakistan, have lost a couple of games by only one run, and they're the sort of side that, in this situation, bites back. So. If I was going to have a sneaky nudge, it would be at Pakistan because they're at about two thirty. But I've left them out of the multi today, uh, Logan. And keen to get your thoughts on on this multi? Because uh, as very much your wheelhouse, baseball and NBA, uh, the we've got the World Series uh, game four on today. It is in Philadelphia. Uh, the Phillies destroyed the Astros in game three, and the Phillies. I know the pitching staff will be different, but the Phillies are paying a dollar eighty three to win game four. I, I quite like that. I think that's uh, that's pretty good money. Did they what? I don't know if you saw
7: any of Game 3 of the World Series yesterday. That was highly, highly entertaining. Uh, I believe that was the most home runs. uh, I can't remember the name of the starting pitcher from... uh, Justin Verlander? No, no, no. He did Game 1. By the way, I picked that uh, Phillies would win Game 1 because Justin Verlander was pitching. Surprise, surprise. I was right. (laughs) And <laughs> uh, <laughs> that was just purely based on his ERA. Was I think it was about 4.5, which is just not good enough for a starting pitcher. Um, not getting the support there. He definitely hasn't. I like this one. Uh, Citizens Bank Park in Philly have been starved of playoff baseball, and the atmosphere yesterday was just insane. They obviously really playing up the rocky the whole Rocky element with Philadelphia. They've been playing the bells from the movies to really throw off the <laughs> batters. It's been great. It's oh, honestly, it's great theater. World Series baseball um, with uh, Javier starting for the Houston Astros. He's got one win so far uh, in these playoffs. ERA one thirty five. So very tidy there. Nola there starting for Philadelphia. He's two and one, four point five seven ERA. So. Uh, A bit questionable there,
2: yeah. But hugely questionable. They are riding
7: riding a wave right now, uh, Mm. Philadelphia. The way they're swinging the bats, uh, I think I saw at least five home runs there yesterday. Would love to see more today. So I, I do like that bet. I know you're a big Boston Celtics fan, Ricardo. Yeah. Are you betting with your heart there?
2: No, no. I mean, we've already beat the Cavs this season already, uh, and we get to play them again. Uh, it'll be tight. It was tight last time, but we beat them, and I think we'll comfortably beat them this time. Uh, they're paying a dollar eighty the Celtics against the Cavs. I think the Cavs are paying a dollar ninety two. So it's a e- reasonably even market. But uh, you know, like I said, the Celtics have got the best of them, and, and they're on a roll at the moment. The Celtics started the season really, really well.
7: Yeah, true. And of course, you picking LA Clippers as well. Clippers always a great team to watch. So no, I back that one too. So uh, interesting multi. I hope it comes through. Yeah.
2: The the Celtics $1.80, the Clippers $1.42 against the Rockets today. So that uh, bet, if you put those three together, uh, returns $4.67. So uh, it'll, it's, it's, it's a good one to chuck a 20 on and fill the beer fridge. That's kind of how I treat them. Um, and I'll uh, tell you what, the beer fridge, D's topping up today actually, so I'm hoping this one comes through. Is that what you did while you were away? <laughs> 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 Mate, I had a sore throat, so I had to keep it lubricated.
7: Yeah, you know? no, that's fair. That's fair. I yep. always feel like we should start, uh, listeners at home, uh, maybe because it's during the day, maybe it's not beer, oh. but some kind of drinking game for the amount of times <laughs> you say, let's fill the beer fridge. Yeah.
2: Well, I, I, mate, it's, never, it's always 5 o'clock somewhere. <laughs> fair? You know? it's, it's always <laughs> 5 o'clock somewhere. So, uh, yeah, but anyway, I'm not not encouraging that. But coming up on the show, uh, we, we are, as, as uh, has been mentioned, Um, Have do have Ian Smith, uh, the man whose show this is, coming on the show at 11.30, which is going to be great to hear from Smithy from the Cricket World Cup uh, and get his take on how everything is flowing at the moment. Also, Liz Green, she's a dual international, played hockey for New Zealand and played cricket for New Zealand. She's a former Whiteford. She was the general manager of Cricket Wellington, and she has now gone to New Zealand cricket to become New Zealand cricket's head of women's high performance As well, so uh, Liz Green is coming on the show at around ten thirty, or just after the news and sport at ten thirty. So, be good to hear from her. Now, there's a guy coming on the show as well um, that Logan did an interview with um, yesterday, and uh, we're going to play that at eleven o'clock. His name is Josh Pino, uh, the Koha superhero. They call him the Koha superhero. He's doing a lot of work for charity. Uh, he basically runs marathons dressed up as different superheroes to raise funds for the Starship Foundation. So I uh, look forward to that one because I, I would have thought running a marathon is going to be tough as it is, right? Running a marathon in a singlet and shorts would be tough as it is. Running a marathon dressed as Spider-Man with a mask and everything, thats going to be hellish. I mean, how does your breathing go? <laughs> I hate to imagine... Just Running. how well, oh. no, I'm, I'm okay with that. <laughs> oh, okay, good.
7: Uh, I'd hate to imagine how much uh sweat has been accumulated.
2: Yeah, that's uh, that I mean, like I've seen pictures of him uh, having crossed the line and he's he's got the mask on. I don't know if he does the whole race with the mask on. I would imagine he, he he's got to start it maybe and then take it off after about a kilometre, I reckon, because you wouldn't want to be running around on that. But anyway, all of those things and more coming up on the show. Up next, though, from the 3rd and 5 podcast, Simon Hampton. We're going to be talking US sport with him after the latest in news and sport with Araha Hathaway.
1: From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
2: Three past ten here on SENZ. It is mornings with Ian Smith-Smithy at the Cricket World Cup. We'll be joining us at around 11.30. Looking forward to having him on the show and and hearing what he's been up to uh, based out of Adelaide at the moment. We'll get to that. Also, uh, Liz Green joining us later on this hour, the new New Zealand Cricket Head of Women's High Performance. Right now, though, from the third and five podcast, it is host Simon Hampton. G'day, Simon. How are you doing?
9: G'day, Ricardo. Doing well? How are you?
2: Yeah, good. Thanks, mate. Good. I know. I know that you're in the um, in the heart of, of Brooklyn, and, and you're in Nets territory. I I, I did get a uh, reaction. From your Twitter, well, from the 3rd and uh, 5 podcast uh, Twitter handle when I posted last week that uh, the Brooklyn Nets are just the New York Lakers, Um, has has your opinion changed any? Because it is looking more and more like a dumpster fire, isn't it? KD for LeBron, one guy making rubbish calls on the lineup for another. I mean, you know, the coach getting blamed when he's not able to coach. Uh, You know, there's a lot of parallels.
9: Oh yeah, when it's your own team though, you sort of you try and convince yourself otherwise. But um, it is—it's a bit of a dumpster fire. It's just controversy after after controversy with this team, and you know we've, we've had Kyrie Irving's um, sharing that that movie uh, the other day, and then Steve Nash getting fired, and then you know the team sort of voluntarily walking themselves into another controversy with the uh, the coach they're expected to hire to mm. replace Nash, M.A. Udoka, who's currently suspended uh, by the Boston Celtics for an inappropriate relationship with a female subordinate up in, in Boston. So um, it is just controversy after controversy. I, I, I sort of, you know, am really worried about this team because I, I don't think Steve Nash was necessarily the right coach to, to take this team forward, but I also don't think, the um, blame lands entirely at steve nash's feet i think there's just this dysfunctional rot that runs so deep in this franchise at the moment that i don't think the coach that they bring in if it is udoka if it is someone else is, is going to be able to turn this around and, and turn them into this sort of team that you know they they talked about a few years ago which was one that would you know perennially compete for championships i think they're just so far off that these days
2: yeah, they are. I mean, the the question we've been kicking around is how long does Sean Marks have? Because it's probably you know it's easier to sack the coach than it is the star player. Uh, and I think the gym is, is in now. He's the next uh, man in the firing line, isn't he?
9: I, I think he is. I think there's um you know he's he's sort of managed to avoid the the blame a lot of the way through. And maybe that's you know partly the, the fact that Curry Irving's such a, a high profile character and he's sort of taken a lot of the the heat, but you do have to look at some of these decisions. And, and, and you've got to admire the way Sean Marks rebuilt this franchise to a point where they could sign Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. But there's been some questionable decisions uh, throughout that. They they signed DeAndre Jordan to a, a four-year, $40 million deal um, because KD and Kyrie wanted that. And, and that turned out to be an awful contract. And and they released him not long after. Uh, they, they traded so many pieces and so many draft picks for James Harden, which turned out to be a disaster as well. Um, and, and the Ben Simmons return for Harden to go to Philadelphia. Doesn't seem to be going well. Simmons is injured again. And there's reports that that, you know, there's there's some trade talks going on potentially with, with Ben Simmons already. So yeah, I think at some point this is gonna land at Sean Marks' feet. And I do wonder if the hiring of Ime Udoka also shows how desperate Sean Marks is. You know, this is Udoka's a guy that's close with Kevin Durant. He's worked with the Brooklyn Nets team before. Uh, he's a familiar face around the team. And I think this is kind of the last last throw of the dice for, for this roster. And if it doesn't work with Ime Udoka and, and potentially, you know, as soon as the NBA trade deadline, I think you could see some significant change at this organization. I think that could start at, at Sean Marks' level in the general manager's office. And I think it could mean, um, you know, they, they sort of talk about tearing down this team and, and um, you know the Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving trade talks start to, to happen again because I, I think if, if, if a new coach comes in and he can't get things going with this team, then it, then it's pretty clear that I, I just don't think this is going to work and, and they probably need to start again.
2: Is a coach with as much baggage as the players the answer? Um, I mean, in a funny way, it might be.
9: It might be. Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting, isn't it? And, um, you know, Ime Doka, you know, in isolation, as just a basketball coach by all accounts. Is a tremendous basketball coach, and and he outcoached Steve Nash in the the uh, playoffs last year when the Celtics beat the Nets four out Outcoached him considerably. Uh, Boston were, were tactically far superior than the Nets there, but there is a lot of baggage there, and and, and you, you know it is another distraction for this Nets team, and and you've got to sort of question the the ethics of of, of going after a guy and and um, and bringing him in. But, you know, having said that from a purely basketball point of view, you know, maybe it's it's the answer to, to turn things around. Maybe um, a guy like Udoku, who, who by all accounts is, is kind of a, a black and white coach, he, he's you know, you're in or you're not with him. Maybe that's, you know, what guys like Kyrie Irving need to, to straighten out a bit. Yeah, I mean... The,
2: there are so many things to, to pick apart here, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go to Ben Simmons. Uh, he's probably not the biggest problem that they have, but man, he is a problem. Um, I mean, the bloke doesn't want to shoot the ball, and if he splits a fingernail, he doesn't want to play a game. Um, his attitude seems to, yeah. to stink the place out. I mean, you know, to be honest, it's, where he's at at the moment, serious. I don't even think the Breakers would want to sign him for the NBL. You'd just be like, ah, oh, guys, the
9: guy's hopeless. He's not going to play for us anyway. He's just going to mope around the court and do nothing. Yeah, it's just super frustrating. You wonder what sort of effect that has on the other players on the team as well because, you know, they have to constantly talk about Ben Simmons and is he going to play and, and sort of build him up in the media and build this guy up like he's, you know, the three-time All-Star and the, you know, defensive player of the year candidate that he, that he was in, his, um, in earlier days, but you know, at some point the guy's got to deliver, and to be fair to him, like, he has looked decent on defense, and he certainly helped the Nets in in the couple of games that he's played so far on defense, but my goodness, when he's got the ball on offense, it's like, um, you know, rabbit in the headlights, like, he, he genuinely, I've never seen sort of, you know, an NBA player um of, of his stature just look so scared and uncertain and lacking in confidence on offense, and he, he looks like you know, when he's got the ball down that end of the court, he just can't wait to get rid of it. And and um, you know, I don't know if that confidence comes back or, or or how to extract that. But yeah, you're right. And now he's he's out with knee soreness. It sounds like he's he's going to miss you know more than a couple of games. I think the Nets are off, off on a road trip for a, three or four games, and I think don't think he's he's going to appear on any of those games um, by all accounts. So uh, it it is it's just frustrating, isn't it? It's it's. Um, well I guess if you if you're not a nets fan maybe it's um, you know it's it's a, sort of the gift that keeps on giving but but when you're trying to watch a team um, you know your local team compete it's uh, it's pretty frustrating <laughs>
7: Hey, uh, Simon here. It's producing Logan. I I got a question for you around uh, Ben Simmons. Of course, you know, we talk about him not willing to shoot the ball. We've seen clips of Kyrie Irving yelling on the court, shoot it, Ben. And then, of course, he just palms the ball off. Like you say, deer in the headlights. We've had Shane Heal on the show before saying he clearly hasn't worked on a shot uh, in all this time away from the court. How much pressure do you think that is putting on the rest of the team to perform at that end?
9: yeah it's a lot um yeah, honestly though i don't think the nets are, are you know short on shooters at full strength they should be pretty good from um you know shooting wise they've, they've got durant and irving obviously two of the best best around um and they've got royce o'neill uh, seth curry who's currently injured joe harris who's, who's working his way back from a, a long-term injury as well so they're actually pretty um not necessarily short on shooters but they do need ben Simmons to be able to be something of a threat um you know shooting-wise, I think they need, you know, or else he just becomes so much easier to defend down, down there into the court, and you don't really need to defend them. so um, I, I don't know necessarily if it's if it's fact of him not, not working on it or, or anything like that. I just think um, the confidence is so low, and I, I think he's, he's potentially worried about, you know, missing, missing easy shots and, and, and causing sort of, you know, further backlash on, on social media and, and, and uproar that way, and, and sort of you know, becoming a bit of a laughing stock. So I think he's he's he sort of looks like he's a player that just doesn't want to stuff up and he doesn't want to make a mistake stake on the offensive end of the court and he kind of just needs to to have that confidence, I think, to just back himself and, and know that, you know, you're gonna miss the odd one. Look, Kevin Durant, you know, misses a bunch. Kyrie Irving scored four points last night, um, on two for twelve shooting. So um, you know, you'll you'll have some bad days and, and you'll have some good days, but but sort of you just got to back yourself, I think.
2: Yeah. Yeah. No, that's I, I think that's that's fair, but he just doesn't seem to want to do it. And he, to be honest, I don't think no. he enjoys playing. He he does not look like an uh, a, a player that actually enjoys the sport that he is a professional at. You know, which is it's a bit of a head scratcher for me, mate. Hey, let's let's move on. Let's talk uh, World Series. Uh, of course, the Phillies got it done seven zip um, in game three. They go again today. Uh, what chance do you reckon that they head to Houston at three and one?
9: I think they're in a pretty good spot now now the phillies i think that was a, a huge victory last night seven nothing bashing four homers keeping the astros scoreless uh you know they didn't have either of their top two pitches on the mound aaron nola or um zach wheeler aaron nola's going tonight um they've got two more games in a row at home in, in philadelphia i think um i think you know for them to win that first home game just just gives the crowd uh, down there a, a huge shot in the arm i think it's going to be a really tough place for for houston to win um either of the next two matches and you know when they can trot out one of their, their best pitches tonight aaron nola i think you know philadelphia is in a really good spot I, I i think um you know i think every time in a best of seven series the team that's up two one is probably the favorite but I think, here yeah, Philadelphia are a really good chance. And going into the series, I thought Houston were, were the clear favourites. But um, Philly have just turned it around. They are a team that's just ridden momentum down the back half of the season into the playoffs. and. Um, it's sort of like potentially the fairy tale uh, season that that may have a fairy tale ending.
2: Yeah, well, it's looking very much that way, uh, especially yeah, as you say. Sorry, I thought they I thought they played two and then went back to Houston, but if they got three on the bounce in Philly, um, and what happened yeah. the other night, it's hard to see Houston getting back in there and they could close it out without having to go back to Texas, which would be uh, fantastic. Uh, we saw in Game One Justin Verlander look a shadow of his former self. Um, surely he won't be there next year. The, the Astros will trade in to, I don't know, somebody uh, with a rubbish roster that uh, wants to sell some jerseys?
9: Yeah, well, maybe you will come to New York. Um, but I don't know. I mean, Verlander's, Verlander's a, yeah, he's he's um phenomenal player, but my goodness, he's, his, his post-season numbers this year are, are, are dreadful, aren't they? Um, he's, um, no, I think he'll be back in Houston. I think they, they have a pretty good relationship there. But... Um, you know, you've, you've you know the stars haven't really shown up for Houston in this World Series. They've, you know, we heard a lot about your Dan Alvarez, the the slugging left-hander, uh, early in the postseason, particularly in that series against Seattle. But since then, he he hasn't really done a lot. Jose Altuve's been very quiet for Houston, um, leading off for them, and so they haven't really been able to get the big offensive um, production from their lineup, and and they've relied on their pitching really throughout. And and um, I know has struggled, but you know the guys beyond that have been really good and then so you know when it doesn't come off like last night it, it got pretty ugly and, and they lose 7-0 so um you know they either need sort of you know some of those stars to, to pick things up uh, with their bats over the next couple of days or, or they're going to have to really rely on, on their pitching and i think justin verland is due to go in game five so um, it could well be an elimination game with, with Verlanders pitching for the Astros.
2: Yeah, which is going to be interesting, mate. Hey, away from the World Series, uh, the Yankees, you mentioned uh, New York before. It is where you're based. Um, big questions for them in this off-season. And, of course, Aaron Boone, Aaron Judge, futures uh sort of up in the air at the moment. Any any word on what's happening there?
9: Yeah, so it sounds like that Aaron Boone will be back. He's He's got a contract for next year, and I don't think uh, they're going to sack him. General manager Brian Cashman's off contract, but it it sounds like he's been there for for twenty odd years, and I think the Yankees are are gonna bring him back. Aaron Judge is gonna be an interesting one. He, you know, of course, you know, turned down a two hundred and thirty-odd million dollar extension just before the season and then came out and had one of the best seasons in in recent baseball history and added added a fair few more dollars to his uh, his contract and free agency i think ultimately the yankees do bring him back i think uh, his value to the franchise is just enormous he sells so many jerseys he's he's the face of the team face of you know baseball actually at the moment and i think he probably also wants to remain a yankee and, and to be one of those guys like derek jeter that, that played their whole career in pinstripes and i think he'll certainly try and extract as much money as he can from them and 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 do that and potentially play a few other teams often but I do think he will remain at the Yankees but yeah I mean they've they've got to change like they you know on the face of it they had a pretty good set season they they finished in the last four made it to the ALCS of course were well beaten by Houston but their roster is is showing signs of age and and there's quite a few holes in that roster and um, for a team with the expectations of the Yankees I, I do think they're going to need to make some changes because it does has seemed like for the past few years that every year they've fallen short, there's been, you know, the same reason that they've fallen short. And that's that, you know, that they've had a big home run heavy hitting lineup that hasn't hit home runs, you know, when it matters, and, and you know, they've gone cold when it matters. So potentially um, you know, rejigging that lineup a bit to to create a bit more diversity and uh, balance things out a bit, I think will be the focus this off season.
2: Yeah. Yeah. All right. We'll have to see what they do there, mate. Let's talk uh, NFL. Um, interesting to see uh, with the trade deadline uh, gone, um, who has won that. It kind of feels to me like at the moment, probably the Baltimore Ravens come out of that the best, didn't they?
9: Baltimore's in a, in a good spot for sure. I, I um, you know, they're, they're Baltimore's a a great team when they're on, but they are certainly a team that, that is is a little bit up and down, a bit hot and cold. Um, but I I certainly like Demar Jackson when he when he's on to, you know, work really well. One of the teams I really like is, is the Miami Dolphins. Um, they've added Bradley Chubb, um, elite defensive player from from the Broncos. Uh, they you know added Jeff Wilson, the the running back from San Francisco, that filled in for a while and, and was redundant there after. Uh, they, they brought in Christian McCaffrey. But I, I think the Dolphins, they're 5-3 and three at the moment, obviously in a tough division with, with the Bills there. But uh, the Dolphins, whenever Tua Tagovailoa has been fit and healthy and firing, they've looked really good. And, and they've got some great offensive weapons, and Tyreek Hill and uh, Jalen Waddle. Um, and, and they're really strong. And w- when they boost that defence, I, I think they're, they're a real chance to, you know, if Tua can stay healthy throughout the rest of the season. Uh, that they're a real chance to, to go for it. And I think going all in is really exciting to see for, for them. Um, one other team I like are the Vikings. They're 6-1 to start the year. I don't think it's been a, a completely convincing 6-1. and one. Uh, I think they've looked a bit scratchy at times, but bringing in a very good tight end and TJ Hawkinson from, from Detroit is, is a really good move for them. Diversifies their offense a little bit and and, and potentially takes a bit of the pressure off Justin Jefferson, the, the star wide receiver out there to produce. And so I think they'll be... Um, there or thereabouts, and, and, and certainly win that division, and so I th- yeah, I'd say the Dolphins and the Vikings, um, are two really strong teams, to come out of that trade deadline. Uh, what about Hines going to the Bills?
2: I mean, he's a, he's really a running back, but he, he can he can receive as well. I mean, it just gives them another piece, doesn't it? I mean, and the, and because the, they're another team that have been looking very very good in the AFC
9: yeah just you know uh, the bills are just such a hard team to defend because you've, you've got josh allen who's obviously an elite quarterback but he's also kind of like a running back himself uh the amount of times he he runs the ball um yeah Hines Hines i think is a great running back for them um and, and then you've got stefan diggs and, and and gabe davis who, who can you know pull off big plays as well so tons of options up there the defense as well is is, is very good so I think the Bills are, are probably Super Bowl favorite for me. I think think they're um, they're they're in great shape, and, and and adding a guy like Hines, who, who didn't cost them a, a ton, I don't think, um, makes them makes them just that much more of a of a um, of a challenge for other teams. And and I'm looking forward to to the Bills playing the Dolphins at, at some point. Um, I think they're playing towards the end of the season, so so it could be an exciting matchup. But I, I think the Bills now are, are, are certainly locked on uh, Super Bowl favorites for me.
2: Yeah, I think so. I think uh, they're looking very, very good and uh, we should talk, uh, I think last time we talked, I asked you this and uh, probably throughout the season that, that talk is going to continue particularly with the form both teams are in. A um, couple of well-renowned quarterbacks and Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady that whose careers seem to be going south at a rapid rate of knots.
9: Yeah, it's um yeah, it's you know, you sort of I've been watching this season, just sort of thinking, Oh, well, you know, they'll they'll figure it out eventually. They'll figure it out eventually and, and they'll be fine. The NFC's not too competitive and, and you know, but I just you know, as each week goes past I just lose confidence in, in both of them. And I think, you know, starting off with the Packers for me I was just so such a surprise that they didn't go out and get any um Receivers to, to help Aaron Rodgers, their, their receiving core is, is very banged up and, and not very strong. <clears throat> it sounded like they offered the Steelers the same package for Chase Claypool, but the Steelers took the Bears offer because they, they thought the Bears draft pick would be, be higher. So they missed out on Chase Claypool there. But I think the Packers are, are pretty bearing at three and five. They're, they're obviously not winning the division with the Vikings there at six and one. And I'm starting to wonder if they, they even make the playoffs because they look very, very unconvincing. Um, as well. I think the Bucks are, are probably in a slightly better position, I, I think. Um, and that's partly due to the fact that the NFC South is just not as strong. The Bucks are 3-5 and five with the Falcons at 4-4 four and four above them. I think the Bucks will probably still win that division, but it's the same sort of thing. It just seems like Brady's not really clicking with his guys. Every time you watch him out there, he just looks super frustrated um, with his O line, with his receivers, with 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 kind of everything. And and I know it's been a, a tough time for Tom Brady, obviously with his off field stuff. But um, yeah, you do have to wonder if if maybe things are, are catching up to Tom Brady at age 45. So, um, I I think the Bucks will figure it out and, and make find a way to the playoffs. I don't think they're going to go too far in the playoffs, but. I think the Bucks will, will sneak in, and I think the Packers um, are, are probably done for the year.
2: Yeah, good stuff. All right, mate. Uh, and finally, Simon, the uh, Washington Commanders look like uh, they are up for sale. Uh, it's uh, another set of unscrupulous owners, should we say that the NFL will be glad to see the back of?
9: Yeah, yeah, they will be. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's it seems like you know, there's always always controversies with these owners, isn't there? And so. Um, it'll be interesting to see, you know, who comes in there. I, I know it's always tough to, to bring in new owners to the NFL because I think they have to have approval from, the, from all of the other owners, so they, they tend to sort of bring in their own people. But, um, yeah, I think it's, it's, you know there's, there's a fair bit of public pressure on them to, to uh, change the ownership there, and so I think that's a, a good result that, that we're seeing change there.
2: Yeah, I think so as well, mate. I think so. And then once they've got the uh, once they've got the commanders sold, they can concentrate on getting the dolphins sold. Uh, maybe next season. We'll, we'll, That's right. <laughs> we'll, go, we'll go through we'll go through the ringer on that. Hey, good stuff, Simon. Thanks very much for your time, mate. Go well and uh, keep up the good work on the third and five podcast, eh? Thanks, Ricardo, mate. We'll talk soon. Will do. It is ten twenty three here on SENZ. This is mornings with Ian Smith.
0: SENZ. it's Kiwi for Sport.
2: Call any
1: time. Oh eight hundred. One five zero eight eleven. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in our This is mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ
2: It's 10.29 here on Mornings with Ian Smith, Ricardo Ball with you. Uh, Will Smithy is away at the T20 World Cup. Text has come through from Brett on 8883. Miami have just signed Brad Chubb, and people are finally putting some respect on Tua's name. Are uh, Miami now genuine contenders to go deep in the AFC? Brett, I think they there are some really good signs around Miami. Uh, the problem that Miami have is that they're in the AFC East. So the uh, divisional winners uh, automatically qualify obviously and then you have some wild card spots but Miami are currently 5 and 3 uh, they are behind the Bills who are 6 and 1 and level with the Jets who are 5 and 3 and then the Pats are behind them on at 4 and 4 so the problem for the Dolphins is that the AFC East is actually really strong this year. They've played three of their divisional games so far, they've got a 2-1 record, Uh, so they'll probably have to qualify, I would imagine, unless the Bills fall over, as a wild card, and that'll mean that they'll have to play one of the stronger teams uh, potentially, say the Ravens who are leading the North, or the Chiefs who are leading the West, Uh, the Titans currently top of the South, so they'll probably potentially end up playing one of those teams, so that might stop them from going deep in the playoffs, but I think they've got everything there to be one of the wild card teams. I just think, uh, yeah, the Bills are probably going to be too strong for them in terms of winning the AFC East. Uh, now, having a look at the Champions League, we're uh, about 20 minutes to go in those games. Uh, earlier, if you missed it, uh, Real Madrid beat Celtic 5-1 and RB Leipzig beat Shakhtar Donetsk 4-0. Currently it is 3-0 AC Milan over A- A- uh, FC Salzburg, so they should qualify for the next round of the Champions League. Chelsea are 2-1 up over Dinamo Zagreb. They are already through to the next round. It is still one all between FC Copenhagen and Borussia Dortmund. Uh, PSG have taken the lead back against Juve. Uh, that is 2-1 to PSG at the moment. Benfica are Proving too good to be uh for Markaby Haifa in Israel. They now lead 3-1. They were one 0 down. Uh sorry, that was tied up at one all at halftime. And uh, Man City have hit back against Sevilla. So that is a one-all at the moment, um, with like it's about twenty minutes to go in all of those games. In terms of uh the Copenhagen game, we haven't seen I don't think any sign yet of Marco Stamenic is on the, on the bench in this game. That is tied up one all against Borussia Dortmund. Coming up on the show between now and 11, we've got a love racing update from Louis Herman Watt. We're also going to catch up uh, and do our pacing for purpose with Harness Racing New Zealand, uh, the uh, pick for this week for that as well. After the latest in news and sport, though, we're going to catch up with Liz Green, the new New Zealand cricket head of women's high performance. It's
3: been years. So turn
1: the lights down low Rolling up my sleep Right now I'm in
2: This is SENZ mornings with Ian Smith. Smithy, of course, away at the T20 Cricket World Cup. And uh, unfortunately, because I know he would have loved to have been on this chat with our new head of women's high performance for New Zealand cricket, Liz Green, who joins us on the phone now. G'day, Liz, and congratulations on the new role. How are you?
10: Yeah, good morning. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, exciting week sort of started on um, on Tuesday and um, just yeah,
2: ready to go really. Yeah, how did the conversation with New Zealand cricket start around this role, and what was the process for you to be where you are now?
10: Oh look, they've been um, they've been on the hunt for a high performance manager for the last for um, the twelve months, I guess. And for me, I was really looking to leave my job at um, at Cricket Wellington as general manager, but um, I guess all the momentum and the And the energy and excitement around the new master agreement for the female game um, sort of piqued my interest more and more. And um, the more I started talking about it to different people, the more I realised that there might be a job um, opportunity there. So um, as fate will have it, I sort of um, tapped David White on the shoulder and said, hey, look, I'm interested. Um, I've got a job proposition for you. And um, here we are today. Um, Yeah, it's all very exciting, really.
2: Yeah, very exciting. I mean, it's another great step forward for uh, women's sport in New Zealand broadly, let alone in cricket. But, I mean, there will be people who have looked at this appointment and gone, I understand why you need a women's coach and a men's coach, but do we need high-performance managers for both men and women? Why does it need to be separate? What would you, what would you say to those people? Oh, look, I think um, the
10: women's game at a very different stage to the men's. Um, you know, the success of the Black Caps over the last few years um, it's testament to the fact that, you know, they've got really good systems and structures and behind the, um, the black caps at the moment. And they've done some amazing work in the high performance space. And I think, um, the women's game has been streaming out for this attention. And on the back of the, um, the new master agreement, they need someone to be driving it and to be the face of women's cricket here in New Zealand. And, um, yeah, I, I firmly believe that that's why, um, my role, I guess now is really central in terms of. Bringing the systems and structures together to um, to achieve and I guess develop that that sustainable success
2: over um, over the next few while. Now, at the at the cricket World Cup that we hosted here, of course, uh, it was the high performance director of New Zealand cricket that was coaching the team, um, and obviously that was disappointing for for all involved in, in terms of not making the final in, on our own backyard. He then went back to be the uh, the high performance director. Um, which I, I think a few people in the media, particularly, were critical of. Um, you know, on the on this on the I guess the context of how can you be a high performance director if you've just sort of shown that you're not capable of coaching a team to that level on our own on our own soil? What would you say to that? And, and what do you bring that's different? Oh look, I think Bob
10: Carter, is first and foremost, a fantastic coach, and I think that's what he needs to be focusing on. And he's been fantastic for the system here in New Zealand. So. I think, um, you know, with the introduction of my new role, there's a lot more administration involved in the background. Um, My sort of pitch, New Zealand cricket, was that um, you need, you know, you need someone sitting around the the senior leadership table and you need someone driving it from the inside out. So um, for me, look, Bob was a fantastic coach, still is, um, and it really means that, I guess, with my administration background, we can really let the coaches get on with coaching the team. and. Um, with my support and behind the background we can really start to develop these systems and structures um, to drive the game forward for the game for the, um, for, for
2: the white man Yeah I mean you're a dual international Liz you play cricket and hockey for New Zealand so I mean as a player um, and, and now as a high performance director I guess you, you've got both sides of the coin what did you learn from your days as a player in, in both sports that you'd like yeah, to you yeah, know, sort of put think, in now um, Yeah look I think
10: um, back in my day a wee while ago we didn't really have that, um, that back-end office support that we um, are now putting in place now. So, you know, to be a, um, a successful, high-performance athlete in New Zealand, you really need a lot of good resources behind you. So I guess that's what we're signaling from New Zealand cricket's perspective for um, for the women's game, is to just put, put more resources behind... Um, I guess what, what we're trying to do in terms of you know supporting the coaches, supporting the players and supporting the, um, the, the major associations in terms of developing that pipeline of talent and, and building that bench strength um, going forward. So look for me, um, you know you sort of bumble around as an athlete, um, but now with the game sort of entering into a professional era, um, there's going to be a lot more support supplied to our athletes and, and, and our coaching.
2: What I mean the role itself, uh, high performance director. I often think, and I'm not not somebody that's ever been a, a representative athlete, so <laughs> f- forgive the ignorance. But I, I look at high performance director, and I, I'm thinking of, of skills, maybe uh, you know, refining skills from a coaching point of view. What, what does that role actually look like for you? Yeah, look for me. I think there's
10: a real focus on. Um, the question around what is best in the world look like and that's um, that's certainly what I need to be focusing on and building that long term sustainable success, it's not about necessarily the outcome of winning and losing, it's about um, developing um, really good people in the system, developing our coaches to be successful on the world stage and then giving our players the best opportunity to succeed, so you know, we are entering into an era which is um, professional and we are having athletes that are um, you know, getting paid um, to be full time professional athletes as well so for me, look, there's a lot of um, systems and structures that need to be put in place. Um, there's also a lot of relationship building that we need to do from the ground level up. And um, look, I think it's a great, a great time to be um, a female cricketer in New Zealand. And what I hope um, happens over the next few years is that you know we are competing with, with the big guns like Cricket Australia and um, and the ECB and the BCCI. So look, I want um, the white men to be um, a successful team, but I also want them to be really good people as
2: well. You talk about the success of the white ferns, and I've touched on the you know the cricket World Cup disappointment that was here. Uh, what were the lessons that you've picked up from that? And is it something that in this new role you're going to debrief again with those players that were part of it, so you can get more of an understanding?
10: Yeah, look, I think um, yeah, the World Cup was a disappointment that we didn't um, obviously perform to where we wanted to and make that um, make that World Cup final, but. I think we're really just starting that journey in terms of, um, you know, how, how are we going to compete against, um, Australia and England have been pumping resources into the women's game for, um, for a very long time. So look, there are some really key people in the system now. You've got the likes of Sophie Devine, Susie Bates have been, um, around for a long time. So for me, it's about ensuring that they get the support that they need to continue being world-class athletes, but also, um, ensuring that we are developing, um, new players to come into the system that can, take over um, from them when they retire and um, ensure that we're competing at the top level as, um,
2: for as long as we can. Well, one of those stars of the future, and oh, she's a star now, of course, is Millie Kerr. Um, we know that you know, sort of, she made headlines uh, for reasons outside of cricket uh, leading into that World Cup where she needed some time away for her own mental health. How much of that is something that you were looking at in your high performance director um, role? Oh well,
10: Yeah, I mean, that's um, that, That's all key to the success is developing all around good people on and off the field. It's not, you know, it's not just about um, the success. It's not about winning and losing. It's um, about ensuring that our athletes have the best support and working hand in hand with the New Zealand Cricket Play Association is going to be critical to the success in my role and um, just making sure, I guess, that, yeah, we are um, transitioning athletes through the system and, you know, um, coming through from the amateur era through to the professional era. um, You know, we are looking after our people and, um, making sure that we've got systems built around leadership and learning, and um, and that development of trust between, I guess, New Zealand cricket and um, and 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 the players and the major associations as well.
2: The role itself, uh, how long have you have you, are you contracted for, and and what sort of goal setting have you sat down and done with the likes of David White around it?
10: Yeah, so look, I'm, I'm a full time um, employee now, so I've got no the um, contract date, so. For me, um, you know, I'm going to make this role what I want it to be. Um, I'm really passionate about where I think I can take it. And for me, um, you know, I've been really impressed with um, with how David White turned up to the table with Brian Stronach, who's um, head of head of performance. And they've really gone, yep, we really need this role. Um, what and, and essentially asking me, what do I need? So um, for me, you know, the goals in this role is really around that sustainable success and building um, building really good systems and structures to have. Have good people and to um, and, and to support our athletes, but for me, look, um, I guess the five-year goal is effectively to have our um, have our white fence team, you know, in that top four bracket and um, always being competitive on that world stage. And who knows, um, you know, the white fence playing test matches might even be um, part of that pipeline dream as well. So. Um, the world's my oyster, my oyster, really, and I just can't wait
2: to get stuck in. Yeah, you sound like you're fizzing, mate. Absolutely fizzing, which is which is great to hear. Hey, listen, Liz, thanks very much for the time that you've given us, and best of luck in your new role as that uh, head of women's high performance at New Zealand Cricket. I wish you all the best. It sounds like uh, you certainly got plenty to get your teeth stuck into. Thanks very
10: much. It's, yeah, it's it's uh, it's really exciting, and I can't wait to get started and um, have some real meaningful impact on the on the way we go about our game here in New Zealand.
2: Yeah, I think Liz is well qualified. Obviously, having been that dual international, played for the Black Sticks as well as the White Ferns, she knows what it takes from a player's point of view. And only recently retired, really. Well, I think she finished in around... 2011 maybe 2012 somewhere around there as a player so I think uh, yeah well placed to make a call and and to really set up a structure that works for women's cricket in this country Uh, good to have her on board running the high performance part of New Zealand cricket for the women's program still to come before 11 o'clock we'll uh, have a look at Pacing for Purpose with our tip for this week. Also get a Love Racing update in with Louis Herman Watt. Then after 11 o'clock, Joss Pino, um, the koha superhero, is going to be on. And Ian Smith from 11.30. All that's still to come right here on SENZ Morning with Ian Smith.
1: all winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. It's Harness Racing New Zealand Pacing for
2: Purpose Season Two. Yeah, live the dream, get involved in Harness Racing today, New Zealand Harness Racing. Visit hrnz.co.nz. Uh, we're looking at Pacing for Purpose. Uh, of course, all the money raised on this show goes to Women's Refuge. I'm just looking at the totals raised so far this year. Afternoons: twelve hundred ninety-seven fifty. Drive: eight hundred and fifty-five dollars. Breakfast: five hundred and twenty-two fifty. Mornings five twenty. We're not on the podium. We'll need to need to work that out. Uh, breakfast in our sights though. Only twenty two fifty ahead of us. So uh, looking at Friday uh, tomorrow at one forty in Rangiora, uh, race number two, number eleven Sigrid. Uh, good speed, but manners can be a bit dodgy at times. It's risky, but it's a nice horse in a good field. Uh, that's what's uh, that's what we're looking at for tomorrow. So for. Uh, our Pacing for Purpose bet. Uh, be keen to get your thoughts on that if you're a harness racing aficionado, because uh, always good to hear from the experts. Um, we're looking, as I mentioned at race two, which gets underway at uh, one forty, and, you know, there, there's no market up there at the moment, but there are some pretty good runners, so it's going to be um, a pretty competitive field, but Blair Orange is driving Cigarette as well, and I really rate Blair Orange as a driver. He's one of the best ones going around, so fingers crossed he can get us home in that. Uh, and if you are a Harness Racing fan, make sure you tune in on Sunday mornings. Uh, Mick and Greg from 11 o'clock every Sunday morning have all the Harness Racing action with Trot's talk, thanks to all the great New Zealanders at Harness Racing New Zealand. A couple of texts have come through. This one from Craig in the Bay. Hey, Ricardo, welcome back. I'm a bit late to listen today, but I uh, went to the podcast Thanks, mate. Do that. You can get all the podcasts at SENZ if you search that online. You go to our podcast page, he said, I heard your baseball basketball multi, I got a $50 bonus bet from Stumped with the supercars yesterday, so I followed you in. The Celtics have moved into $1.78, but otherwise it's all the same. Here's hoping. Yeah, cheers Craig, yeah, here's hoping indeed, mate. I backed it as well, so hopefully that one comes in for you, Craig. Uh, definitely uh, keen to see that one come in. Keep your texts rolling into double eight double that is the temper bed post text machine. When we come back, Lou Herman Watt with a Love Racing update.
1: Aotearoa, this is Mornings with Ian Smith on SCNZ.
3: The loveracing.nz update, your home for everything thoroughbred racing. Visit loveracing.nz, racing's biggest fan.
2: We're a couple of minutes away from 11 o'clock. Louis Herman what with us for our Love Racing update. Louis, have you recovered from Tuesday yet?
0: Yeah, yeah, I have, Rick Dogg. I have, mate, and I'm good to go today for a Group 1 Thursday because we've got the Oaks at Flemington, mate. Group 1's on Thursdays. This is what this time of year is all about. It's the carnival that keeps on giving. But before we get to Flemington, we've got a nice nine-race meet out of Woodville, And there are a couple I don't mind, one in particular who I've backed a couple of starts now in both its trips to the race, and it's run good races, not a bad pony. Number one race five, not a bad pony, gets a soft track today. I think it's going to be very quick. Kelsey Hannon with the claim, 54.5, hopefully can use barrier one, jump on speed and just rattle them home uh, over the 1,200 meters. Not a bad pony, and I note that Sean Phelan has another first start, has a first starter, Cheap Sav, race number three, number thirteen, Cheap Sav that just could be worth keeping an eye on. Kelsey Hannon riding for his stable, and she's just a superb apprentice rider. Um, so while she's still claiming three, it kind of feels like free popcorn at the movies. It's just a little bit of an added bonus that claimer. And as I said, Rick Dog, it's Group One Oaks Day at Flemington. So at about Ten past seven tonight, we've got She's Extreme, who's into $2.30 now, taking on Zenzella at $5.50, and the rest of the other fillies over the $2,500. It's, uh, look, it comes down to breeding a lot of the time, but it also comes down to which filly's got the most brilliance as a three-year-old, and I'm with the favourite, She's Extreme. I think she gets the job done, just ten past seven today under Kennedy Oaks.
2: Nice. Good stuff, Louis. How much are you investing today, and will you be at work tomorrow?
0: Wow, very deeply personal question um, Plenty and hopefully
2: not <laughs> Brilliant mate, brilliant Good luck, good luck on the punt Louis Herman Watt there with us with our Love Racing update Eat, drink and get racy Round up your crew and book now at the thegrandtour.nz, the Grand Tour Racing Festival is coming to you i tell you what else is coming to you Ian Smith is coming to you at 11.30 and we're also going to be talking to Josh Peña as well the Koha Superhero. That is coming up after the latest in news and sport. Next.
1: thing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on
2: SENZ. Three past eleven here on mornings with Ian Smith, Ricardo Ball in for Smithy. Although Smithy will be on the show today, he is going to join us just after 11.30 after the latest in news and sport. We'll catch up with Smithy and see how his hosting of, uh, sorry, commentating of the Cricket World Cup is going over in Australia. He's out of Adelaide today. We'll also have Greyhound Racing New Zealand charity running our dog pick uh, for this week as well. Um, But uh, earlier, uh, Logan caught up with uh, Josh Pinor, who competes in marathons dressed as different Marvel and DC superheroes, raising funds for the Starship Foundation. They call him the Koha Superhero. Thanks for the uh, pronunciation correction there, Joe. And uh, this is how that chat went.
7: We talk about superheroes in sport, but we have superheroes in everyday life as well. Doctors, nurses, teachers, your mum, your dad, whoever it may be, there's someone in your life that's made a difference. A bit like our next guest here on SCNZ, Josh Pino, he's known as the Koha Superhero, raising funds for Starship Foundation by running marathons in full superhero kit. That sounds insane, Josh. Welcome.
11: Oh, pleasure, pleasure to be here. Thank you very much.
7: You just completed in the most recent Auckland Marathon, this time as Spider-Man. How did the whole idea come about of you wanting to do these marathons all dressed up like that?
11: Um, well, I had, I've had, i had a few other costumes for a few years just because I've always uh, loved the stories and the characters. since I was a child. And then... Um, I had an opportunity with one of my Spider-Man outfits to visit Starship some years ago uh, and spent some time with some of the kids down there in the Ronald McDonald house. Um, And that was a really quite an eye-opening experience in terms of really seeing, A, some of the battles that these kids are living with, but B, the amount of time, uh, effort, and work that gets put in by the staff down at Starship was just really, really remarkable. Um, And just the gratitude from the families and those kids and the staff, I wanted to figure out a way, some kind of crazy um, way that I could kind of give them more.
7: And so you land on this idea of running marathons as a superhero. What do the kids at Starship think?
11: They, uh, They, you know, they're always, super grateful and super happy um, you know they're always ready for the for the high fives and um, if I'm down there or doing any events with them I'm in character which is really cool so the, a lot of the little ones really do think that this is Spider-Man or Batman who who is sitting down with them which is uh, it, it's quite a special um, feeling to kind of create that experience for them because a lot of these guys you know they they are going through um, treatments and battles that, as an as adult, I I can't even fathom. So to be able to bring them a couple of minutes of just uh, that kind of childlike joy through these characters that I share that love for, it's, it's it's really really cool.
7: That's awesome, man. So, just how much money have you raised so far for Starship Foundation?
11: Um, so I've done I've done the marathon run five times now um, and I think all in all rounded probably down about 10,000.
7: Wow, I'm sure that goes a long way to help those kids now. Last weekend, Auckland reminded us just how hot, wet and muggy it can get so how do you even survive those conditions running a marathon in a superhero costume?
11: I will say this um, is is that um, the the rain was quite helpful it it kind of conditioned me and kind of kept my body temperature well regulated when we ran last year it was in the middle of summer and that was way worse that was so much worse at the end I was just dehydrated and sunburnt and exhausted whereas the rain was it was quite pleasant because you get you get wet for the first 10 minutes and then you can't really get any more wet so it was quite nice.
7: So what kind of training do you have to do leading up to a marathon? Do you think it's any different for you? Like, uh, uh, you know, how much do these costumes weigh? Is that a factor?
11: Yeah, and it, 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 the first time I ran, I ran as Batman, and I did virtually no training. And the Batman, the, the bat suit is heavy, and it is bulky, and that was, uh, and I wore the cowl for the whole length, and it, it was awful. Um, it was an awesome experience, but it was physically unpleasant. Um, so some of these this, the last few years, this year in particular, I've really kind of upped my training uh regimen. So there's a lot of running. Um, you know, even just short distance um kind of alternating between short and long distance runs, uh just in regular kit and then i I do crossfit training five mornings a week. Um but the suits I've kind of gotten down to a fine art. A lot of the costumes I'm wearing now are you know, they're very um you know quite thin a lycra so i'm underneath i've just got like a uh running kind of skin and then i just flip the suit over the top and it's quite it's very flexible very movable very breathable so it's it's quite nice
7: (laughs) okay good i i was curious what you might be wearing under those costumes so now we know but with you getting serious on training what about your diet
11: yeah, so the diet's been, as this year of the five has been the most in particular. I've just been kind of really actively engaging with um, just the basics of, you know, calories in versus calories out, so just kind of making sure I'm maintaining a deficit um, and then meeting that with equivalent training so I can kind of keep that lean build um, because these suits are not flattering. <laughs> um, and so, I'm kind of maintaining that lean, healthy build, while still, you know, when I'm looking at at, at it, just as calories in versus calories out, I can still enjoy uh, all the food that I love because I love food. Um, but I've just I've learned a lot about uh, portioning and rationing and uh, nutritional value and things like that. So it's been quite it's been a lot a lot of learning.
7: And through all of that, through all the training how did the body hold up battling for what you called a soggy triumph on Sunday?
11: Yeah. Um, of the, uh, of the five this year, my body really actually held through for the most part. And my recovery has been really nice. I had kind of an evening of aches, and then I was back at it. I was back in the gym after a day off and then everything's been back to normal. I, I, I've been looking into, obviously, thinking ahead for, for next year, things around kind of maybe some taping around my, my muscles. My, I, I learned on this run that my right knee isn't what it used to be, so I'm going to be doing some work around there, but it's been a really nice recovery. I think the training that I put in this year has really paid off in terms of that.
7: What was your finish time like this year compared to some of your previous efforts?
11: Yeah, so th- I mean, this year was kind of the first time I took it more seriously from an athletic standpoint, and really put in what I would consider intensive training. And so this year I finished it in six hours and fifteen minutes, uh, as opposed to seven hours ten in previous years. So I've pretty much saved an entire hour off my time. Brilliant, and I felt I could have, you know, even finished it faster. And that comes down to things like the mobility and my knees. Um, Hence me thinking, you know, I can work on that and I can have an even better out time on top of doing this. And and that's been quite an interesting learning experience for me because I came into these just going, you know, how can I do something absolutely ridiculous and just unbelievably mental to, you know, make some money for these kids. Um, It's turned into, I continue to get to do that, but I've started to kind of lean into developing myself as an athlete and that that is something i never thought i would say or think that i would do and you know here i am you know, gone right back into full training mode two days later because i've just grown to love it
7: yeah that's cool so that that is a positive side effect of of you doing all of this so is there now other marathons you'd potentially look at doing
11: i considered especially on this most recent run i considered you know, looking at more around the country and even globally. Because I'll tell you, one of the, the, the run-on effects is it's such a cool way to see a city. Um, it is such a unique way, having lived in Auckland for so long, it's such a unique way to experience Auckland and I feel like, you know, being able to experience uh, the Queenstown Marathon, which, I you know, is an off-roader um, and that would just be, no no pun intended, remarkable. Um, But to experience something like Paris or London as well in that really unique on foot way, I think would be really, really cool. So definitely something I've not taken off the cards.
7: So you've done the Auckland Marathon as Batman, Superman and Spider-Man. Who are some other Marvel or DC superheroes you'd be keen to run as in the future?
11: So I have been playing around with the idea of Thor. Um, and so that, that is currently a, a very big contender for next year. Um, Captain America also sits in that in that playhouse. Uh, they're both characters I've not run as before, but I've got the gear, I've got the suits, I've got the props, and something I think that would add an interesting challenge with Captain America. or four is you've got the props in your hands the whole time.
7: You work in education, Josh, so I get your passion for wanting to help the next generation. But what kind of support do you get from the students with them knowing that you do this?
11: It's interesting. I think the kids really do like it and admire it at the end of the day. I teach 13-year-olds, so there is a little bit of, you know, they, at the end of the day, I, I am their teacher, and that's not super cool. Um, they all give me a little bit of flack, flack about the costumes and things in class, you know, uh, very kind of respectful, tongue-in-cheek flack, uh, but I think that's also their way of, letting me know, you know, we see you and we, we appreciate the work you do. Um, so I'll take that as, a, I'll take, I'll take it, as it comes with them.
7: <laughs> Spoken like a true teacher there, mate. The Koha superhero is just an awesome thing. I'm in awe of the fact that you would even complete a marathon dressed up like a superhero. I mean, it's incredible what you do for Starship. Keep it going, mate. We love what you do.
11: Oh, my pleasure. And I'm going to keep going as long as uh, my body lets me.
2: 21 here on Mornings with Ian Smith, Ricardo Ball, and for Smithy, of course, uh, Logan, producer Logan, doing that interview with uh, Josh Pinor, And uh, he's doing some great work, Logan. It was interesting. He was talking about whether to go Captain America or Thor next. Uh, I reckon, you know, because he mentioned running with a hammer, I was like, just get a hammer that's also a water bottle. And then you could just run and drink out of your hammer as you go. Be sorted.
7: Yeah, no, I, I don't mind that. I I, <laughs> I do kind of think uh, Captain America's uh, shield might provide a little too much wind resistance as well. Mm. Yeah, that's a good point. Whereas if you're going to be the god of thunder uh, and if you're going to get some of the weather conditions that Auckland can throw at you in a marathon, yeah. that potentially might work in your favour.
2: Yeah, well, that's actually the other question is if he's going to be the god of thunder, does he have to wear a blonde wig? <laughs>
7: Oh, he's got to go the full noise and and the beard as well. He might have to dye his beard. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, potentially. Got to look like a Nordic god, of course. Yeah, totally. So, I mean, in terms of uh, money raised and things, how do people support him? Uh, So he runs a
7: page uh, every every marathon. So he raises about uh, one and a half to two thousand, I believe. As he said, he's. He's done about 10k so far over the 10 marathons he's done, which is incredible. Uh, I'm not sure if the page. I'll have to double check. I don't think the page is still live. You may be able to actually, because I know uh, my wife Sarah was just like like we say in awe of what he does. Yeah. So went in and uh, donated uh, under our daughter Madison's name because Starship Foundation is just such an incredible worthy cause.
2: Yeah, no, it's a great cause that he's doing and and, a, and an innovative way of doing it as well. i got a couple of texts through here. Uh, one, uh, Ricardo, I've taken the Dunhorse kiss and run, who I have been on the last two starts where she was blocked both times, but she's been drawn wide and should get up off the start. That's from Joe. Thanks for the tip, Joe. Uh, we'll pass that on. Also, this one from Graham. Just listen to your interview with the high performance lady. That was uh, Liz Green. And she mentioned three or four times that it's not about winning or losing, it's about making better people. Maybe someone needs to remind the professional sports people in this country that winning is everything if you're doing it for enjoyment. Go play for a social team when you're getting paid to perform. Uh, so if you're doing it for enjoyment, go play for a social team. If you're getting paid to perform, then winning is your paycheck. Cheers, Graham. Yeah, well, that's a really good point, actually, Graham. I mean, uh, in that professional environment, that's what we expect. Uh, you know, if they're getting paid to play, you expect the best, right? And you expect them to win. So I think that's a fair point. Uh, also, this one from Carl came through. Uh, don't forget to ask Smithy the important question. Has he been given any horse tips? With him and Dooley both there, they'll have been asking for them. Cheers, Carl. Thanks for that. Well, actually, uh, that leads me on to another subject because Logan, producer Logan, is going to jump in the hot seat after the latest news in sport and uh, finish the show for us. He's going to interview Smithy, which should be interesting uh, because Logan... And Smithy have worked together for a while now. So uh, Logan's going to interview Smithy about his time in Melbourne and Adelaide and maybe at the Melbourne Cup and talk some punting and talk some cricket as well. Uh, because I'm doing a show this afternoon called Phoenix Nation with Oppo. Uh, it goes from three to four o'clock on a Thursday afternoon, all about the Wellington Phoenix. And there's always a segment in there. To always try and get somebody from the opposition um, to that week to chat, you know, and ties in nicely with Oppo as a sponsor. This week, the opposition is MacArthur FC. That game is Sunday afternoon at the Caketon. Uh, MacArthur FC are coached by Dwight York who, of course, won the Champions League and the Premier League, won the treble with, under Sir Alex Ferguson uh, for Manchester United and he is now coaching in the A-League. So um, the only time he can do is when Smithy's on air. So I've got to jump off here to go and do that interview uh, which we are going to record obviously and play out between 3 and 4 this afternoon, Logan.
7: Yeah, and being the fact that Smithy is a Tottenham fan, mm. I'm not sure how he's going to feel about that.
2: <laughs> well, I mean, Dwight Yorks won more Premier League and Champions League titles than Tottenham have as a club, so I, you <laughs> know, I think that's...
7: I cool. hope he's not listening right
2: now. <laughs> so there you go. So I'll be jumping off, and you'll be jumping in, mate. How are you looking forward to it? It's it's a weird
7: uh, power sh- dynamic shift, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Me interviewing Smithy, I'm normally uh, seeing up the show for him, and then, you know, he, he does all the work there, doing all the interviews and stuff. Uh, no, looking forward to it. Uh, I know our listeners have been missing Smithy. We're missing Smithy. Um, you know, we love you, mate. We love McIver stepping in when we need to, but the show does bear Ian Smith's name. Uh, and I, I know we've been kind of wondering where he's been. I haven't heard him much on the commentary lately, although I think that might be more due to the fact of games being rained out that he was probably going to be
2: calling. Right, yes, yes. Um, I, yeah, Joe's already texted through going, can you ask Smithy why he didn't commentate, commentate the English game, Mr. Dulcet Tones? Uh, and Brett, boys, you're putting on great shows, but where is Smithy? He's not on the TV, so there you go. There's already two that have come through. So uh, those are questions that Logan will ask um, Smithy, no doubt. I mean, you've got to – I don't know how long that interview is going to be. I've seen your notes, mate. It's, you've done a deep dive. <laughs> That's me, bro. I always come in over-prepared. <laughs> Excellent. That's the way to be, mate. It's better to, to have it and not need it than the other way around.
7: Yeah, I just really wish uh, my first time interviewing – Ian Smith on uh, SCNZ or anywhere, I wasn't losing my voice, that wasn't a great move uh, on my part. But no, I'm the same with Joe, I missed uh, hearing his commentary uh, in the England game as well. I love Ishigua, I love listening to her as well, but it definitely missed a certain quality not having Smithy uh, on that game.
2: Yeah, you're not wrong, mate. You're not wrong. Well, looking forward to that after the latest news in sport with Araha. We should talk Champions League, though, because the games are all done now, which means the groups are done and we know who is into the next round, right? So Group A is Napoli and Liverpool. Group B, Porto and Club Brugge from Belgium. Group C is Bayern Munich and Inter Milan. Group D is Tottenham and Eintracht Frankfurt. Group E is Chelsea and AC Milan. Group F is Real Madrid and RB Leipzig. Group G is Man City and Dortmund, Borussia Dortmund. Um, and then my laptop's jumping around, as it likes to do. And then Group H, uh, Benfica, qualified top of the group ahead of PSG. Uh, because their last game, they were in Israel playing Maccabi Haifa. That game was one all with 30 minutes to go. They managed to score five in the last half hour. So Benfica won 6-1 and their goal difference has put them ahead of PSG in Group H, uh, which means they go into... So all the group winners go into one pot and all the runners-up go into another pot, uh, which is interesting. So that throws up a few things, because all the new, uh, all the um, English teams won their groups except Liverpool, who finished second to Napoli, which means they can't play a team from your own country in the next round, um, and you have to play a team that's won its group if you're Liverpool. So the draw... Could, when we get that done over the weekend, could pair Liverpool with Porto, Bayern Munich, Real Madrid, or Benfica? Um, Now, Darwin Nunez, the new Liverpool signing, he was at Benfica last season. So there's a story there, of course. Jurgen Klopp being German, be a great story if they drew Bayern Munich in the next round as well. And then you've got uh, Porto and Real Madrid as other options. So, yeah, looking forward to that draw and seeing how it comes out. And uh, I pick if you're a Liverpool fan, you'd be hoping you get one of the Portuguese sides as opposed to Bayern or Real Madrid. But uh, we'll see that draw done over the weekend for the next round of the Champions League. There's also going to be tomorrow the last games... Of the Europa League round, and there's a few big games coming up there. One of those sees Manchester United and Spain playing Real Sociedad. They need to win that, need, it, need to win it by two goals to finish top of the group. If they don't, they have to go through an extra qualifying round where the teams that have finished third in their groups here in the Champions League drop in to the Europa League. And the teams that finish second in their groups in the Europa League then have to play off against those teams. So it's like the likes of Ajax and Leverkusen, Barcelona, Sporting Lisbon, RB Salzburg, Shakhtar Donetsk, Sevilla, and Juventus are all going to be in there uh, and could be opponents for Manchester United if they don't beat Real Sociedad by two or more goals. And uh, news out of the United camp: there's no Anthony, there's no Martial. Uh, and there's no Sancho uh, for this round, so they are certainly limited on their attacking options. It is nearly eleven thirty here on SENZ Mornings with Ian Smith after the latest in news and sport. Ian Smith will be with us.
7: How are they treating you?
12: Actually, uh, Logan. Good morning to you. Nice to see you in the, in the captain's chair. Ah, <laughs> uh, look, it, it's been an interesting T20 World Cup because it's it's been governed a lot by weather. Uh, particularly the the games around Melbourne and even to a a sense last night the one uh, here in Adelaide too was threatened by weather which was big for India getting out of it because um, they needed to get back on the field and and they were able to do so so that was a a blessing for them but it has been I guess a a little bit dodgy and it's been a factor in eliminating sides or making very hard for sides so Uh, Just keeping an eye on that as much as anything else. You don't expect that um, in a lot of places in Australia at this time of the year, but it's certainly been a factor. And uh, I've I've had a look at the forecast going forward for Adelaide, and apparently uh, it's going to be pretty good. In fact, it's going to get up to uh, as high as 28, 29 degrees come uh, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. So that's more like it, more like we expect.
7: Yeah, nice. Love to hear it, mate. Uh, And of course, you've been across the ditch, You've timed that very well uh, with uh, the Melbourne Cup. How was your Melbourne Cup Day experience? Did you have any luck on the punt?
12: Again, again, rain, mate, right? Rain, absolutely. Um, when the rain came, it was so unpleasant. It was unseasonably cold as well. Um, so <coughs> fortunately, had a, a seat inside, so I uh, didn't have to suffer like some people, but it was <laughs> mighty unpleasant. Um, and the experience, well, you know, uh, I've been so lucky over here twice. Uh, i got to do india vs pakistan which was one of the highlights of commentary career for me just to a sense the the, the kind of atmosphere that that kind of confrontation can bring uh so that was ninety thousand and plus uh they say over around ninety thousand two at the melbourne cup just the enormity of sporting events over here uh, and the following that they get we just cannot replicate in new zealand so uh, i i think that's as much the highlight as, as anything else Is just just to, to be there and to say that you have been there, you know?
7: Yeah, now, we've had a question come through from Carl on the uh, Temper Bear Post text machine, Smithy, really important one here. Have you and Dooley been getting any horse tips?
12: <clears throat> Dooley and I, no. Um, I haven't, uh, I've kept, I caught up with, him, I'm catching up with Dooley today. Uh, he's been more sort of uh, cricket-focused. Uh, he's been... Uh, he's been up north in the Brisbane area. We, we've, we've had a little bit of information, drift on through, <laughs> but you've got to take, you've got to take it, a lot of it with a grain of salt because at this time of the year, particularly with the track slogan, yep. and I'm sorry, Carl, I have no information for you, even going into Ladies' Day today uh, at uh, the Oaks' Day at, at Flemington, uh, because the, the tracks have been so different to what you would normally expect and horses that you'd normally... Pre- be uh, expecting racing on good tracks or racing on soft tracks and to be honest it's been a bit of a lottery so sorry Carl.
7: <laughs> Another question we've had from uh, our listeners Smithy is, is where have you been? Uh, they've missed hearing your dulcet tones with you not commentating that Black Haps England game.
12: Yeah look uh, I was in Melbourne uh, I've got to say I stenciled uh, that in as uh, part of this trip over here to have um, a father and son's experience, if you like. Um we we budgeted during the we'd wanted to go during the COVID time. Um but uh we we're eighteen months or to almost nearly two years in the in the saving and the, the planning of this trip and um uh even before the T twenty World Cup came around that was part, uh, was hot on the agenda. Uh so we we um we went and uh I, I, I was very disappointed to miss that England game but uh, back on deck tomorrow um, and uh, against Ireland, which is crucial, very crucial all of a sudden.
7: I don't know if you've heard it over there, Smithy, but here the criticism around uh, Kane Williamson doesn't seem to be going anywhere following that run a ball performance against England. Do you think it's time Gary Steer considered changing where Kane sits in that batting order?
12: I think there's a possibility that might happen. I mean, you, you just think of Kane Williamson and you think number three, don't you? Whatever form of the game, but the problem is, you know, and the, the people are right in their um, their assessment of it. Uh, he can't he can't score a run a ball uh, for 40 balls. You a run of a ball for five, six, seven balls, but then eight balls. But then you've got to up the ante, um, and you know that, that was the problem the other night. If we don't go through and and get to the playoffs for some weird fashion, we had an opportunity to knock England out of the World Cup the other night, uh, and we didn't take it. And that, to me, is very, very concerning because England, I think, are one of the the, the genuine contenders to win it, and we had a chance to knock them out of it. So that was very, very poor, and the reason we didn't knock them out of it is because um, we had too much pressure go on the guys at the end of the game. And 20 runs... Uh, over the course of 20 overs, it's not that many if you're prepared to take a risk or two or just start hitting the ball a little harder. And, and, and dots are no good. And, and, you know, at times, singles um, are no good either. And that's what got, we, we got to that point, putting pressure on new players coming out. Uh, I saw Kane Williamson throw his head in the air when he got out. And I thought uh, he probably realized exactly what he's done here because he's, he's a wise guy. He knows that uh, having used up so many of New Zealand's deliveries uh, and getting out at that point, uh, he'd done he'd, he'd done a bad thing. So he knew that, and I think it was more of that than actually the, the fact that he got out. Uh, you know, it's just to, uh, it was only the fact that Phillips has been brilliant, so damn good, um, mm. that kept us in that game. While while uh, we were getting no momentum at the other end. So they have to look at it. Uh, In essence, yes, they do have to look at it. I don't expect they'll make a change. I really don't. That is not the New Zealand way. Uh, You know, Australia has not let Steve Smith into this competition yet. Uh, That would be a big call to leave Williamson out or even adjust his place. but he has to adjust his style.
7: Yeah, looking at the bigger picture here, Smithy. I know this is a question that Ricardo wanted to throw at you. Should Kane Williamson even be playing t -t 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 TTK? T20 uh, cricket, or do you think the T20 game has evolved past his ability with the bat with the way he plays?
12: Well, certainly I think you've got to have more punch at number three than Kane is offering at the moment, because you see these players come out and and they're, they're they're not scared to hit the ball in the air, they're not scared to get out. They play without fear the top three players, and if two of them come off, or one of them come off you're going to get a good score when you play with that kind of attitude, so uh, uh, look, Kane is always going to play T20 World Cricket, and we know why, because it's a very, very lucrative thing for him, because it's not just the way he plays, but it's his leadership, his, his cricket mouse uh, that gets him the big gigs around the world, and that will continue to happen, but you can't just not play it and then just be picked up. So he, he'll continue to play it. Right. I, just, I just wonder, I just wonder... You know whether he has got at his age now the ability to change his game to be a bit more explosive than he is at the moment, and and that is the only way I perceive that um, he's going to survive at international level because he just simply he simply at the moment whether it's through injuries, whether it's through lack of play, or whether it's just the way that Kane plays, um, the accumulators um, are fading out of the game.
7: Now, of course, the Black Caps play Ireland tomorrow night. At Adelaide Oval, you're there. Uh, how do you think the pitch might play following yesterday's matches?
12: Well, yesterday it looked a good pitch. It looked fast pitch. It had pace for the quicker bowlers. Um, you know, the Indian managed uh, after losing right Sharma early. They managed to get through to 180. I think that's a possibility for most sides now. It, it'll it'll have a now that it's had a bit of use. Um, it's fine outside at the moment where starting to warm up a wee bit so it'll dry out a wee bit when they take the covers off it. Uh, look, I, I think it's, it's a scenario where New Zealand should just look to play cricket. They, so I don't think they should look at run rates. Um, you know, the, 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 the probably the, the theory is New Zealand only really have to beat Ireland to get in because their run rate is so superior over the, to, over the side of Australia. So they only have to really play uh, to win but. I think they just got to play cricket and, and play in the way they want to play. In other words, be positive, uh, get as big a score as they can on the board batting first and then uh, look to defend that. I don't think they should go into their shells and just try and shelter their position that they've got at the moment. I, I, I really believe they've just got to go out and play and let's hope that they do that. Uh, Ireland uh, should not beat them, um, you know, barring, a mid, uh, barring catastrophe really. Ireland shouldn't beat them, they just simply haven't got a good enough team.
7: Yeah, you'd think so after the, the way the Aussies uh you know, put Irish to the sword there, winning by forty two runs. Out of the spinners though, with the black caps that they have on hand, who do you think should be making that line up there for the Adelaide Overall wicket?
12: Well the two spinners were uh, the two spinners were the stars the other night, And St. and Sodi, if you look at the bowling figures, they, they were outstanding. Against a very powerful English lineup. Mm. Problem is here, um, this is um an interesting ground this because it has very short boundaries square of the wicket. So you you don't want your spinners to get carted uh, square. You've got to make sure that they bowl lengths that um, they get hit down the ground rather than square of the wicket. So that is one of those, it's one of the, uh, I guess the idiosyncrasies of the Adelaide Oval compared to, say, the Melbourne Cricket Ground, which is a much more traditional oval. These boundaries are quite small. And so, therefore, you've got to look at the side that you pick and say, well, can we afford to play two spinners? I think we can. I think we can. I think we're bowling well enough. And against Ireland in particular, who are not accomplished players of quality spin bowling, I think Santon is a given. Um, You know, his economy rate is very good, and he induces mistakes. And Sody is a wicket-taker. He might go for a few weeks, Sody, but he's a genuine wicket-taker and becoming quite a quality league spinner. And I think I'd play them both that uh, the proviso is that you're very aware of those boundaries where they work at You've got to get hit down the ground if you get hit at all.
7: Now looking to the uh, to the other group there, Smithy. South Africa look to have a favourable draw for the rest of uh, their group play, going against Pakistan and the Netherlands. Especially with the way uh, the Pakistanis have been struggling, do you think they maintain their spot for the semi-finals, or do you potentially see uh, Bangladesh sneaking in?
12: I don't see Bangladesh sneaking in. I'm sorry. Uh, they had their chance last night. If they'd have beaten India last night, uh, then they'd have got through and they'd have been topping the group this morning as we woke up. I think they missed the boat last night. They were only one decent hit away from it and it's a real shame and it would put a lot of pressure on India. You only had to, I'll tell you, you only had to uh, really look at the faces of the Indian players when they when they uh, got a dismissal to see how how worried they were and how delighted they were. They're not Bangladesh in, uh, over at that point. So Look, ha- having also been because uh, South African gave them a toweling, uh, India were under severe pressure. So look, it was it was interesting performance last night. But I think India, South Africa, uh, perhaps South Africa top in the creek, goes through there. South Africa look to have a real quality pace attack, uh, and that's important in Australia. Uh, their batting seems to be firing at the right time. I didn't put them in my top four going into this World Cup. I do now. Uh, I think they're a genuine contender. So. Um, I, I'm looking, you know, all everything going well, everything going well as I look at it now, Logan, um, South Africa, India, New Zealand, England, which would mean shutting out Australia.
7: Oh, I mean, I, <laughs> I think that's what people want here in New Zealand, that's for sure. Uh, one thing, though, there, that if the group play ended today new zealand would be playing south africa in that semi final but given the way the black caps got bowled out uh, for 98 in that warm up match before the world cup are you would you be concerned about playing south africa
12: yeah i would um i think they've got a genuine strike power at the top and we would have to be um a lot more considered in what we uh, the way we went about it um 98 not going to be any good in the semi final so yeah, I, I do. I do. But then again, you look at the psychological side of things. And South Africa have never made the big dance. They've never got to the final in these World Cups. So uh, that's hanging over them. Uh, they have the ability to fall off the pace uh, when it really, really matters. And uh, I go back to what uh, the Grant Elliott 6 at Eden Park, which uh, ruined them, absolutely ruined them back in 2015. They just seem to get to the point where they can't jump that last fence to get into the final. So uh, that will be in the back of the M1. I, 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 uh, I think I'd back us on an even surface on a nice sunny afternoon. I, I think I'd back us to beat South Africa in an all-round capacity. All
7: round capacity Nice so Smithy, I know there's a sense of pride amongst the station here. When we see and hear your cricket commentary, keep up the great, mer- uh, great work, mate, and we'll talk again soon.
8: Hey Logan,
12: uh, always a pleasure, mate. Um, and uh, yeah, missing missing the guys back there. Uh, won't be long before we're back um, and operating out of Hawks Bay again. So, but in the meantime, look forward to um, an exciting last uh, ten days of this competition. It's really, really starting to heat up, and uh, we're we're a, a, a real genuine, a real genuine chance, which is great.
7: Love it. Genuine optimism there from uh, Ian Smith. And, of course, tune in for live commentary of the Black Caps taking on Ireland here on SNZ. It is a must-win match at the T20 World Cup from 4pm tomorrow here on the SNZ. We'll be right back.
1: Every weekday from 4pm on ECNZ I love every part of my job on Izzy and Kempy for breakfast Tell you what, definitely love hearing from you On 0800 150 811 every morning Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa This is Mornings with Ian Smith on ECNZ It's the Great Greyhound Racing New Zealand charity run.
7: Yes, join us each week as we try to raise funds for four New Zealand charities here across SCNZ. For SCNZ Mornings, our charity of choice is Women's Refuge, and we are dragging the chain a little bit now that we've had an update on totals raised. Bricky have uh, 522.50 Mornings. We're last at five twenty. Afternoon's killing it, of course. Staffing drive not doing too bad either. Uh, our pick for racing at Cambridge today at two eleven PM. Race eight, number five, Portland Jack. Although the uh, <laughs> the commentary notes don't really fill me with a lot of joy here. Big drop back in grade and recent efforts suggest. He could potentially go very well here. He was held dog last week as well, so obviously a big fan of Portland Jack. Uh, We've got a texter on the uh, Tampa Beer Post text machine. Boys, have you seen USA v New Zealand Jan 17 in Wellington? And then on the 20th in Auckland, yes, how good. More women's football to come. It's so great having the U.S. women's national team here. We'll be coming back shortly with Staffy.
0: SCNZ. It's Kiwi for sport. Call any time. 0800.